things you own end up owning you. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope everyone is enjoying their holidays. My guest today is Jason Dolby. Jason is a personal trainer, a coach, and a head instructor for the Orange Kettlebell Club. He's had over 20 years of experience in the fitness world, and he's one of the OGs of the kettlebell sport community in the US. I asked him about how he got involved into kettlebells, how his first kettlebell session went, and why it sparked his interest. We talk about his travels to the far east of Russia and his quest to learn more, and he uh, tells many funny stories. He's, uh, he made me cry from laughing so hard on this one, so uh, I had a great time talking to Jason. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. So listen, I mean, I wanted to talk to you about, um, first I wanted to bring up like how we met, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, so, I got, yep. So, you yep. know, being from Russia, like everybody thinks that like, uh, you're, you know, contrary to the popular belief, you're not really born with like a kettlebell in your fucking fist. Like you're not coming out of the womb yeah. with a fist and like a vodka bottle in the other hand. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the word gida, which translates to kettlebell, is very mm -hmm. well known. You know, it's not like a huge sport. Like, yeah. I think a lot of Americans maybe think that, like, just everybody's lifting kettlebells all the time. And it's not maybe not quite the case, but definitely it's like a known sport. So, um, you know, when I moved to the States, I knew what a kettlebell was, but I never, like, trained kettlebells. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Yeah. And, I, and then I discovered this uh, chap uh, called Pavel Tsatsulian, which a lot of guys know, right? He was, like, the kind of the OG, you know, here hey, in the States. mad credit. Right, give, give, right, right. Hard style. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, um, Absolutely. Yeah, and then from there, I found out about, slowly found out about Steve Cotter and Ken Blackburn and those guys. Sure. KFF. Mm -hmm. Also some of the OGs. Um, mm -hmm. And then over years, I, and then I found out about OKC, Orange Kettlebell Club. And so, uh, you know, and all the, yeah, yeah, in all the meantime, I was training and, you know, lifting kettlebells and just learning and, you know, uh, getting into that world. And then, um, and then I heard, and living in Southern California, I heard, oh, hey. Orange Kettlebell Club is coming down to um, uh, South Costa Mesa. Costa Mesa, that's right. Yeah. That was it. Costa Mesa to uh, teach a workshop with uh, world champion Denis Vasiliev. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And um, I was like, sign me up, baby. Take my money. <laughs> you know? And so uh, I came down there, and uh, that's how I met you guys. <laughs> I met you. I met John. I met Dennis. And, uh, you know. The rest is history, kind of, <laughs> but kind of became yeah. a thing. But um, no, so that's just, kind of my way how I got into that. But I, I wanted to hear, like, do you remember, like, what the first time was that you heard about, like, the kettle or, like, kettlebell training? Like, what did you have, like, a moment or how did it go? 100%. Mm -hmm. I, had several mo I had several moments. First was, first was my first month. This, this was all early 2006 for me. All right. So. My good buddy, Chris Hoffman, right, who I still consider kind of one of my mentors as far as, like, fitness training uh, goes. Mm -hmm. So my buddy, Chris, was – we were training at the same Spectrum Athletic Club in Manhattan Beach. Well, technically, it's El Segundo, but they wanted to use the bougie name, say Manhattan Beach, whatever. <laughs> so, But I worked there for 10 years, and I think Chris was there for maybe, like, four or five years. He came in. And uh, little guy in stature, but jacked. And the guy, the guy's like, I think actually he's 60 years old right now. But when I, you know, maybe it was 
I don't know, 15 years ago when I met him. I'm telling you, this dude walks around at like 5% body fat. He just, he was a pro uh, soccer player back in Germany. Mm. And, um, and then he, he blew his ACL out really bad uh, injury playing soccer or football, you know, for mm-hmm. Europe. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> then he got into some powerlifting and okay. just found that he was doing pretty well, kind of got into the bodybuilding scene and just liked to train. And then it just became really natural for him. And genetically, he's kind of a freak. But I love it because he has, ah, he's got just a sliver of Arnold's accent. And oh, <laughs> man, like I loved it. He came into our club and like, for his first day there, I go, dude, I was like, this is already unfair already. I go, the way that you sound, I go, your <laughs> accent, you're going to sell so many packages of sessions just with that voice. <laughs> and then, you know, 5% body fat. So he ended up leaving kind of, uh, you know, parting ways with the club, going out on his own to be more entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. and uh, which we all uh, sort of do after a certain period of time. Right. And so Chris... He hits me up one day and he goes, Dolby man, Dolby, Dolby man. So he calls me Dolby man, right? <laughs> Dolby man, you got to see these Russian kettlebells. Do it now. You got to see it. And I was like, what? And he goes, they are so strong. They are crazy. And I'm like, what are you ta- What are you saying? I was like, cowbell? What are you talking? And I did that thing. I did that thing that all Americans do. Exactly. The very first time they hear it, they're like, the thing cowbell the thing that goes around the neck he's like no no he's like brother yeah, you yeah. gotta come come over you or, gotta or, come over or kettleball right or kettleball yeah, yeah. It's like so, the first yeah. two. i never said that because of the cowbell thing was in my head but he's like he's like no man he's like no i got this dvd enter the kettlebell right oh, okay Which, okay again credit to pavel, so pavel okay. who sort of reignited the interest of kettlebell lifting in america um, from my understanding, because the the interest in messing around with kettlebells was kind of over in like 1920s, 1930s, I believe, because the antiquated, like not antiquated, but the old school strongman stuff. They do a lot of crazy bench presses and one arm things with very heavy kettlebells and so on. Right. But for the most part in gymnasiums, they just kind of sat around the yeah. same way Indian clubs did. Right. Yeah. So old school like gymnasiums, they were there, this and that. Pavel comes in. I don't know, 2002-ish, 2003, I'm not quite yeah, sure. somewhere around there. Yeah, that's what I can Jeff Martone would be uh, probably the best guy to, or Steve Maxwell, to actually chat with about the the first time that Pavel kind of dropped that information. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, super cool. So Chris is like, yo, I got this DVD. I'm doing these things with the Russian kettlebell. Man, this stuff is no joke. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whatever. Like what? So, and, and mind you, mind you, all the way up until this time, I was gym strong, like gym strong, right? So like I was good with, okay, cool. Seated barbell military press, mm-hmm. uh, bench press, uh, bent over row with that pad that, you know, passively stabilizes your yeah, upper yeah, body yeah. against your chest, all this stuff. So I was really good at gym, gym equipment type stuff. Mm-hmm. So I went over to his little gym where he was training and day one man day one my day touching the kettlebell never forget it so he shows me (laughs) he shows me picks it up he's like this is called the swing this is a two-arm swing 
He goes, okay, this is a, a switching hand swing or hand-to-hand swing. Mm-hmm. So he's doing this, and uh, he's a strong guy, so he's doing this, and he's, he's messing around with the – it was a single uh, 32 cast iron dragon doorbell, right, because he, he got B1s. You know, those were the super nice from, ones at that from time. From Pavel, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. They yeah, were those, they were pretty. Those guys, they're, they're still around. Those kettlebells. They're badass. Yeah, those yeah, bells are badass, man. They're, they're, I love them. They I sold. Them. I wonder yeah. how many they sold. I wonder if you could to this day oh, look it wow. up. You know, it's got to yeah. be like hundreds of thousands, hundreds. Of uh, thousands. Oh, for sure. Because every for once sure. in a while, I'll go. I mean, not gyms are closed, but every once in a while, I'll go to like a gym, and I'll find that fat ass grip iron kettlebell, yes. and it'll yeah. say Chebraska. Yeah, Cheburashka. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's is, shaped like the yeah, I got basically Chebs. Uh-huh. Buckley and I, Buckley and I came up with a nickname for Cheburashka. Uh, we call them Chebs, and uh, is they basically call those uh, the cast iron, the OG style Cheburashka because the handle is round, kind of shaped like the ear yeah. of Chebs. Yeah. Which is like the Russian Mickey Mouse, not to bastardize yeah, what I'm yeah, yeah. thinking like, about. But it's kind, like a funny kind of? creature, yeah. It's like this right, right, old right. school kind of creature, Mickey Mouse or I don't know SpongeBob yeah. SquarePants kind of, yeah, yeah, kind of thing. But I, but I love, so I love those bells. Oh uh-huh. man, so, so I walk up to this bell. I see Chris, my buddy Chris, do you know, I don't know, ten swings or something like that, and then he shows me like whatever hand to hand swings, does a few reps, you know, just switching off, and I'm like. Looking at this thing, I'm like, how much is that? He goes, he goes, 32 kilos. I go, what's that? Like, cause I, <laughs> I could, I couldn't do kilo math yet. Right. Cause that just American gym guy, whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, what is that? 70, 71. I'm like in my head, I go 70. Yeah. I go 71 pounds. Right. <laughs> so first, first movement I ever do uh-huh. with any kettlebell, 32 kg, uh, hand-to-hands swings where you swing the bell and in midair you change hands and swing again between the legs and up and switch hands. Okay. And Chris goes, okay. He's like, I want you to go for two minutes or whatever, whatever he said. Mm-hmm. Dude. Yeah, it fucks you up. I went 20 seconds. <laughs> set it down, had to take a knee. I was gassed. Dude, my, my whole body was like, my whole body was pumped. <laughs> I was gassed out. I took a knee and I'm like, what in the fuck? Like, what, what the hell is this? Like, it, <laughs> I was tripping out because this had to be a mistake. Like, I'm like, I'm in much better shape than this. Right? I'm much stronger than this. Right. In my head. Bro, I was not doing true strength. You know what I mean? Like, I was doing gym strength stuff. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that because that is also awesome. And right. gym movements are how you get big and for hypertrophy and all that stuff. So, yeah. like, it's still great, right? But I'm thinking, like, ah, oh, no way. Is 70 pounds of this thing? What right. Because if this, you're like a gym bro, like 70 pounds, I mean, it's like a good weight. But guys bench press 70 pounds. It doesn't sound like it's yeah, fucking it, – like Exactly. Murder, so, I'm like, right? you're thinking, like, okay, 70 pounds, dumbbell in each hand doing certain exercises. You're like, okay, whatever. Wrong. When you add the <laughs> ballistic movement, right, and all yeah. of your entire body and decelerating this quick moving object that weighs that much on the very end of your appendages, right, like with all of this centripetal force and all this stuff, it's amazing. And so I was gassed, 20 seconds. And so I told Chris, I go, all right, hold on. Uh, hold on. You, give, me, give me a minute. I'm going to try again. I sucked even worse the next time, right? So I'm like, okay. He goes, 
Dolby man, I told you, this is real shit. And I was like, <laughs> what is this? So that was it. I felt completely defeated. So, yeah. so immediately, let's see if I can remember this correctly. Dude, I went home. Sergey, I went home mm-hmm. and went online and ordered three kettlebells. That was it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because I was pissed. That same day? At my same day. I was pissed at myself. I go, what? <laughs> What is this? No, 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 no. I go, what is this? What? And Chris made me look like a joke. You know, right. I'm like, he's so much better at this than me. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? So I went home <laughs> and yeah, I'm actually remembering correctly. It's crazy. So a company called Gill Athletics. I remember Athletics. that. I, I, I think I've ordered some old school kettlebells from them too, but way back when. Yeah. I, I don't yeah, know if they're around still. I think they sell like a lot of track equipment and stuff, right? Oh, so okay. uh, Gill Athletics, but I ordered these things. Mm-hmm. And I order, of course, this is what a brand newbie, wink, wink, should order when getting into kettlebells. So I order a 24K, a 32K, <laughs> and a 40K. Oh, you learned a 40 kilogram kettlebell? <laughs> First fucking day, yeah. So I'm like, you know what I mean? But they were going by like, kilograms too, huh? But by the way, I just wanted to point out too, yeah. like, the brilliance of uh, Pavel Tsulin's marketing back then, because you know they kept it in kilograms, and I, you know, because they had the whole like, "Hello, I am Pavel Tsulin. I am here yeah. to fuck yeah. you up, and we will work yeah, yeah. out with kettlebell. Don't press like little girly yeah. man, right?" Yeah, 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 exactly. So it was brilliant for them to keep it in, in kilos, because I remember back in the day, people sure. were always like, "Hey, what's sixteen? What's?" Because people would forget, you know, and like, because I, I, I mean, yes. I know kilograms. I'm familiar with it. So, yeah. like, people would always ask me about, you know, like, what is that? What is that? And I was like, man, it's smart. Because even though it's it's annoying for some people, but I think, like, you know, it just kept that, like, Russianness. Like, hey, we're not changing yeah. it. We're, we're keeping it in yeah. kilograms. Yeah. yeah. And, so you, you ordered and, the big old kettlebell, uh, kettlebells. And uh, how'd that go? So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that went really bad. And so I ordered 20, 24, 32 and a 40 from Gill Athletics. And the handles were like, they had like steel seams all over them. And I mean, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I'm not knocking Gill Athletics because they were, that was the company I ordered from mm-hmm. and they had them in stock. They were affordable and that got me started, man. I just had to file down, you know, the handles a bit to get rid of the kind of the sharp edges. But talk <laughs> about just, yeah, starting from just, just grit like cast iron you know what i mean and like so but i got my ass humbled and so i would work on these things and i was kind of at that time training you know three reps yeah okay i'm gonna do push press three reps. okay cool we're gonna try a snatch and we're gonna do so mm-hmm. i was coming from more like a yeah let's do like super powerful kind of strongman movements maybe up to three reps four reps because in my mind, that was kind of like what I was good with, right? Like, you right. know, with like gym training, strong, you move things, uh, you know, three to five times, maybe eight to 10 reps if you're going cardio. Right. right. <laughs> but I mean, and were you, so, were you like supplementing? Were you getting those ideas from like Pavel stuff since you were so, familiar so here's with that the deal. So mm-hmm. the Pavel stuff was cool. I started uh, farting around and then, um, but then, but then I, I quickly discovered some Steve Cotter videos. And at that time, I was like, no, no, that's the dude. I was like, no, that guy? I was like, that's the dude. Mm-hmm. I was like, I got to meet this cat. you know. And he lived in San Diego at the time. And um, actually, speaking of my boy, Chris 
Hoffman, who introduced me to Kettlebell, so Chris and his uh, wife at the time, Lisa, mm-hmm. they actually reached out to Steve Cotter. And they said, hey, will you come up to Manhattan Beach and teach a two-day private – no, it was a one-day one day ah, private workshop, eight hours okay. private workshop. So this was the first time that I met Steve. And it was like maybe we had like uh, seven students in the class, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so Steve brought some bells. He brought all, you know, um, cast iron uh, kind of dragon door bells. Yeah. My memory serves me correct because um, none of us knew like about the sport yet at all, right? And right. so so uh, in this workshop, dude, of course, of course I use – a 24k and like like, the heaviest ones (laughs) like everybody does i mean absolute (laughs) ego right so my ego was not in check yet so i'm like uh cool like i've seen cotter do this like amazing stuff i'm like i'll hang in there show him that i'm kind of tough and (laughs) i want to you know i want to feel this and so i used i used the 24 and the 32 for the entire workshop yeah right and was steve was he at this point like was he doing his like massive uh, seminars that he got kind of start, ended up no, doing. No, like, so no, this no, was like no, super OG. This he was just full like, contact kettlebells. Oh, so yeah. he just kind of so came up I, just to hang out with you guys and some other people. Huh? I was like, a yeah, exactly. Thing. So IKFF had not been birthed yet. Right. Wow, so, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this was full contact kettlebells and this is when I first started kind of communicating with Steve. But so he came up and taught the workshop and I was like, wow, this is really this is amazing stuff. So I got my ass handed to me. I got, I mean, the next day I'd never seen three colors of, <laughs> like on my arms. I've never seen a bruise of three colors before. <laughs> yeah. It, it was red. There was like blue. And then I forgot whatever other color, maybe black or pink. I don't know. It was bro. It was nuts. Well, both uh, both areas, like where the wrist yeah, knuckle are. normally is. Yeah, they yeah. are. Shushka. So, yeah. So, um, is the average yeah, person so, that doesn't lift, they have no fucking clue, right? And you were probably one of them, right? You like, you just didn't know, right? No, like, seriously, like, the average know. person picks it up. I, like, I, I see it happen. I've seen it happen many times in the gym. The person will pick it up a couple times, a couple times, and then they're like, man, my forearm yeah. hurt. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, you, man. You just don't, you haven't touched of it course. before. Because you got to think about it. For eight hours, I was doing the up and over as oh, far as the man. insertion. Yeah. And there's no never such done thing, that before. <laughs> yeah. There's no such thing as insertion when you just do up and over because it's just a rotation of the handle. Right. And then the bell, the bottom, this uh, bottom of this uh, kettlebell. There's a kettlebell. <laughs> so Jason the bottom, just pulled out a kettlebell. <laughs> I yeah, love it. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, there's always kettle next to me in my house. You yes. Know, my dome. Yeah. So – this ball right here, uh-huh. this beginner style, the way I used to snatch, I swing it up or yeah. clean, and my my hand and arm would stay still, and then, and whoop, then you'd have the pivot and smash. Yeah, just so to explain that the, the just, ball of the of the kettlebell. Yeah, exactly. On top of your forearm. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You so do accelerate that times. The, yeah. You yeah. These, accelerate uh, the speed. <laughs> add like. Add like 50 extra pounds to that and then add eight hours of that. And so <laughs> I was toasted and I was yeah. probably lucky I didn't break anything in my arm, right? Yeah. Um, so, and that was it. I was hooked. That was it. I needed more of this, right? I was like, <laughs> oh man, I'm like, okay, I'm learning, but I still suck really bad, but I'm learning and uh, wow. And then, so it was pretty cool. 
And then it was like the next workshop was the next workshop was, let's see. The next one, trying to think here. Ah, yeah. So. And this is also after Steve, because Steve became kind of, uh, you know, kind of famous in that world too, because he started doing yeah. this workshop with a uh, brand called IKFF, which I think he still is at the IKFF, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. He's still around. Mm -hmm. And uh, his partner then was Ken Blackburn. Ken Blackburn. I don't know yeah. if they're still doing stuff, but um, yeah, so that's, they, they, then they became kind of, the uh, the go-to guys I think to teach yeah. kettlebells here, besides mm -hmm. Pavel's uh, heart style, and so where'd that take you from there? So you just started working on your own, or uh, you, so you, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. So so what happened was uh, the very next workshop that I attended was was in Copenhagen, Denmark. So I went and got how, my arcade. How'd that happen? You just flew straight yeah. to Denmark, or what no? Here's what happened. Because I was okay. asking, uh, I was asking Cotter. I'm like, hey, you're going to do your full contact kettlebell certification yet? I want to get a certification so I can put it on the wall of the Spectrum Club where I where I work, just so people can understand. Like, okay, this guy's somewhat competent, or whatever, with right. these crazy things that kettlebells they didn't know kettlebells. in 2006. <laughs> They're like, what is this? So. Uh, so it was the, I think the very beginning of 2007, um, it was, I went to the workshop right after Gregor Sovacon went to the workshop in, uh, Denmark. So mm -hmm. I wanted to get my certification. Cotter wasn't quite ready with his yet. So I'm like, I just needed one to put on the wall at mm -hmm. the gym. So I was like, cool, let's go meet Pavel, get the RKC. And I had a choice, bro. I had never been outside of the country uh, I live in Southern California. Tijuana does not count as leaving the country. <laughs> it's like South San, San Diego, right? <laughs> yeah. So I say, okay, I had a choice, bro. I had a choice of going to uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, or Copenhagen, fun. Denmark. Fuck and it man. was it was like the same price. Uh, it was cheaper. It was like two hundred bucks cheaper, three hundred bucks cheaper in Denmark. But then you pay for the flight, so it was like. It was a no-brainer. But you so get to visit there. another country, and you get to see some cool exactly. shit. Exactly. It was amazing. So it was cool. I met uh, Tommy Eli, and uh, Andrea Duquesne was actually oh, my wow. uh, my group instructor. Rannick Donald from Scotland uh, was in my group. It was just – it was so cool. The Hungarians were deep. There was like 25 Hungarians, and we had, I think, 65 students uh, so wow. great, great course. I and met pa Kenneth J. Oh, wow, wow, wow. And so Pavel yeah. was teaching it head on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pavel, okay. super okay. nice guy. Super cool voice. Yeah, super nice guy. Really good instructor. Yeah, last I saw him, he's still here in Gold's Gym. He lives in LA, I guess, because he goes cool, to Gold's Gym and yeah, yeah. he puts on a bandana and he just fucking does these exercises with just this loud, piercing exhale, which oh, always yeah, yeah. fucking do it to this day. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, so how'd uh, you go so, there? Yeah. So it was, it was really great. Um, Great experience. It hooked me even deeper into the kettle. So, uh, you know, thank you, Pavel, you know, for reintroducing really America to kettles. So that was super awesome. Yeah. And uh, and that's, yeah, just really great. So I came back um, and so I had my cert, which was great. And then I stayed in communication with Steve Cotter because I really liked his energy, what he was about and how he was lifting and so on. Man, this guy's really just really really cool, and he's close. He's only two hour drive, so stayed in touch, 
And I told him at that time, I said, you know, it's cool. Like if, if it's okay, I wouldn't mind being kind of like a, a branch off of your tree of knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, but just in, in Los Angeles. And he's like, cool, man. So we stayed in touch. And then my buddy, Chris Hoffman, who introduced me the belt, he reached out to Carter again and Fedorenko, mm-hmm. Valeri Fedorenko, who uh, I will give the the props and respect to him for the kettlebell sport in America, the same way I'll give that to Pavel Tosselin for bringing just the bells into interest in, you know, the physical training. Mm-hmm. So Valeria Fedorenko, badass lifter from Kyrgyzstan, I believe. Yeah. Um, so he was starting to teach us kettlebell sports stuff. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't heard of this. So, <laughs> Steve Cotter told me, he goes, yo, come down to San Diego. He's like, I got to show you some stuff. I go, he goes, I'm taking a pivot. I go, what do you mean you're taking a pivot? He goes, no, I'm a pivot, man. He goes, I went to Greece, right? And this and Nakona and Kevin Chaudhry were on that trip wow. to Greece. Okay. And they saw, um, I want to say, uh, uh, Philokides? Yeah, Philikides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Philikides. So, yeah. Coach Philikides, who I've never met, but he's—I hear he's just amazing, so, uh-huh. he's badass, serious, super strong. I never met him grip either. Yeah, man. Big, big boy. Yeah, there's big videos boy. of and, him on uh, on the, the YouTube. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, man. And like, if you could survive his training, you were a straight thug in the in the world of kettle. <laughs> Valeri Fedorenko was one of those gentlemen, and I believe Arkady—I uh, forget his last name—Sim uh, Arkady uh, is. Yeah, I think so. He, he was also okay. came out of that camp, I believe. Super mm-hmm. tough, guys. Anyway, so uh, so Fedorenko uh, assisted Philokides in Greece. I think it was yeah, it was or it was also 2007, I believe. Mm-hmm. Cotter attended that. He came back and he's like, "Hey, hits me up. These guys are doing. He's got like he's got like a 15 year old kid destroying me." And I go, "What?" what <laughs> What? What are you talking about? He goes, yeah, he's not even, he's like kind of skinny and he comes out and flip flops. And then it was like some insane, like it was a 200 pound kettlebell or something crazy with all this stacked extra welded weight on it. And he was doing (laughs) one arm jerks. Right. And then, you I know, it just drops the bell, videos. walks off, smokes a cigarette like yeah. some crazy. And this is also in the day to give credit to Steve Cotter, too, because Steve Cotter is a bad motherfucker. I mean, you, Hell can, go, yeah. you can go to YouTube to this day and find some uh, videos Dude. of Steve doing uh, How about those uh, jumping pistols he does on top of the table? I mean, you know, talk and, about a powerful, explosive dude. Yeah, Ridiculous, he's not right? a huge guy, but uh, he's pretty pretty well built and, uh, you know, he's been around forever. And so Bro, I can imagine being yeah, in his trust. place, right, when he's just like, yeah, uh, that's being, the thing. So you know, like, he was a fucking man and then yes, going to see those guys and that's uh, the thing. getting So destroyed. it's like, yeah, yeah, so he goes there and he's like, uh, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to learn more, right? Just like me with. My buddy Chris destroying me, showing me these swings. I'm, I got crushed, and I'm like, I need more. So <laughs> so then Cotter started, you know, really just communicating with Valeri Fedorenko. And, uh, yeah, then Fedorenko would start kind of teaching workshops. I want to say the first one was in Seattle. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was Cincinnati. I don't know. But there was one in Seattle, and it was – I think it was at Scott Sonnen's place, I think. But anyway wow. – then you're bringing back you're bringing back some I sorry to interrupt you just bringing back some OG names of the I, fitness I know, industry <laughs> I love it hey, hey but hey look at all the great look at all the great here. that's <laughs> yeah. how you know that's how you master know master Jason Old has been around school. Dolby has been around yeah <laughs> exactly so so um 
So after the uh, the Seattle uh, workshop, I believe the very next one was Manhattan Beach, and my buddy Chris Hoffman and, and his wife orchestrated that in in getting that together, getting Steve Cotter to come up and assist Valeri Fedorenko um, in that certification. So I took that, and I was just like, whoa. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, sorry. I have to share this. Uh, before that certification with Fedorenko and Cotter, after Cotter's Greece trip, he hits me up and he's like, this is nuts. He's like, can, can you come down to San Diego? Like, I got some shit to show you. Oh. And that's when he was talking about these kids. Is my mic cool or is it swinging around? No, no, you're cool. Things up? Yeah, yeah, all okay. good. Mm-hmm. So, so Cotter, so I go down and I meet him at this park in San Diego and he shows up with these kettlebells and they're different colors and they're all the same size. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even understand. <laughs> oh, so you mean what? the sport kettlebells. <laughs> yeah, the kettlebell sport. I'm like, what? I'm like, what is this, right? So he's got, ah, watch this. He's got this. He's got this. An oh, analog clock, clock oh, okay. right? Uh-huh. And he said, it totally looks like I was prepared for this interview. Like, no, <laughs> no that's just are. laying around. So he's got the clock and he puts it against the tree, dude. And I'm, I'm wearing like, you know, my flat Pumas, my, my Puma flat shoes, you know, just <laughs> kind of like, you know, Steve, inspired by Steve Cotter. I got my Pumas on and shit. Yeah, like, man. That was ready the style to go. back got then my, of all trainers, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, got my like Giria Nation, Giria Nation t-shirt, all this shit. Like, so I'm ready. I got my mm-hmm. headband. I'm like, what's up, Steve? And what are we going to do? And he goes, all right. So, um, so when they compete, they compete for 10 minutes straight without setting it down. And I go, huh? I go, wait, wait, you can't do that. What are you talking, what? And so he goes, no, they're doing that. And so so he says, yeah, these are the three major lifts. He's like, you got jerk, you got snatch, and which is, you know, combined is called biathlon. And then you have long cycle, which is you clean the bells to the chest and then you jerk them and then repeat. So it just, it encompasses everything. And I was like, yeah, that one, that's mine. That one. <laughs> And so that See. became my thing, right? Okay. Uh, but so he, he says, all right, uh, are you warm? <laughs> like I go, well, I don't know. Right, let me stretch out for a sec. So the first thing I did, the first thing I did, right? And this is like a lot of it, just my ego trying to kind of like, okay, I got to I can't let Steve Cotter down because like, I consider, you know, Steve is kind of like my, you know, my mentor and my coach, you know, at that time. I'm like, I, I can't let Steve down, but um, I'm nervous to do what he's going to ask me to do. And so he's like, okay, let's just try three minutes. So we're going to go three minutes. And so it was, he set out a pair of double 16 kilos. Okay. Uh, so the th- 35 pounds uh, each kettlebell. And they're huge. They're the size of the, the 70 pounders, the 80 pounder, right? I'm like, what? so weird. So I have to open my legs like uh, even wider to get them through. I'm like trying to figure out the stance and all this. So he says, let's go three minutes. And he says, um, let's try, you know, if you can do, doesn't matter, you know, whatever you want. Maybe six uh, complete revolutions or repetitions per minute or whatever. So, dude, I get to three minutes and I'm like, I'm dying, right? <laughs> and then he's like, he goes, hey, hey, he goes, you know what, you know what? Um, let's see, man. He's like, honestly, uh, 
Let's try to go five minutes. You've already made three. You've already made three. So, so you, know, you, see you haven't gotten it. a break, so you're just telling her to keep going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm still holding them in my, my <laughs> pseudo rack position, whatever it was at the time, you know, right. holding the kettlebells high on my chest. And so he says, ah, let's try to make it to five minutes. And um, so I go, oh, I'm just like nodding and like I'm crying on the inside because it hurts so bad because you're out of breath, but you can't set the weights down. And, you know, it's like, Nothing in my training had, you know, uh, prepared me for this. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> then, so then I, I get to five minutes and he goes, okay, one more minute, one more minute, you can do it. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, Steve wasn't fucking so around. He was pushing me. No, I know. <laughs> and so, so I get to six minutes and then you know what he said, but it worked. It was like, he was like just evil genius psychologist or something, but he was like, you know what? You hit six minutes. You might as well just go a full ten, like the champions do, like the the, the way they lift over in Europe. And I was like, <laughs> so it was like then that was like toggling the strings of my ego. Yeah. So I just made it work, but dude, I was like fucking tunnel vision, everything. I was about to die and not die, and buff I mean, But yeah, now, well, oh it sure feels like it when you're holding ten. You know, oh my god! Two ke- so kettle- like, kettlebells at your I made chest. the ten. I made the ten minutes, and he's like. Not not that many people over here can just do that. He goes, yeah. respect. Do you remember how many and reps you got? Hell no. Was, <laughs> I don't know. Bet- probably between 50 and 60. I have no idea. But, <laughs> okay. but this was, you know, with a pair of <laughs> 16s. Oh, yeah. And for me, like that was my limit absolutely at that time. And, um, and so when he told me that, he's like, yeah, that's not – not a whole lot of people are going to just grit down like that and, and finish 10 minutes. Uh, the first time they touched kettlebell sport bells. And I was like, Oh, I was like, Steve Cotter gave me a cool compliment, so you, you know, like, Oh shit. Steve like, Cotter respect there. So, so <laughs> after that happened, the endorphins that I felt, the runners high that I felt the, I was lightheaded, but I felt like it, what, you know, there were so many times during that set where I wanted to quit and, by continuing and finishing the 10 minutes without quitting and setting down, then getting a, a really big compliment from who was my mentor and who I consider my, my coach at the time with Kettles, bro, that just, it lit me. And I w- that's it. I needed more. And I wanted to improve and see if I could do that with the different colors. And mm. at that time, all Fedorenko, uh, the weights that Fedorenko was able to get over here Right. Mm-hmm. This is what we had in the beginning. So the Buckley, John Buckley, my partner in crime in Orange Kettlebell Club, the founder of the OKC, he would always call it the the dark ages of kettle uh, <laughs> in the United States. And where we didn't really know what we were doing, we were trying to do our best. And it was I love those. It was amazing. And what we had was 26 pounders, 12 kgs. Right. Mm-hmm. And then. Your next option was 35 pounders, 16 kgs. Mm-hmm. Next option after that was 24 kilos, right? The 53 pounders. Mm-hmm. And then you want to go up from there, 32 kilo bells, which are 71 pounds each. So, so these straight, are straight to 32, massive jumps in training. But yeah. it's like the old school way anyway. But yeah. that's what we had. And we were, there was no intermediate, no 28s, no 20 kg. no, You know what I mean? No. No, mm-hmm. no, no. It was just, it was like click, massive click, massive click, and yeah. you know, go bigger, go home if you want to get better. 
<laughs> and bro, there was a lot of suffering and just it was it was amazing. And uh, yeah, bro, and got the my dark cert- ages. I love dark it. ages. Yeah. And so, how, how cert- did you? You mentioned John, and how did you and John link up? Yeah. So this was awesome. So uh, there was another. There was actually another cert- certification that Fedorenko was teaching in San Diego, right? Mm. And so it was at the World's Gym in San Diego, and, and Steve Cotter being from San Diego, that's you know, super easy for him mm-hmm. to assist Fedorenko. And so it's uh, when I met Kate Imes, when I met Marty Farrell, mm-hmm. um, and I met John Wild Buckley. Ah, so, okay. so I was – so Cotter asked me, he said, this is going to be a big certification. He says, could you come down, if you don't mind, maybe, you know, bring the bells that you have because nobody had bells really at that time. Right. Just bring the bells that you have and, you know, come down and uh, would you mind assisting assisting me, like just kind of helping Federenko and like whatever. And like we're trying to grow this thing and get more people. So I showed up and I was sicker than a dog, man. Oh, not a good I, day. I, I was, yeah, I had I had the flu. So I showed up with gloves on so I didn't spread germs. Like it's funny we're talking about that now, right? <laughs> but I show up and I've got I've got knit gloves on. I'm trying to stay warm. I'm I'm on like cough medicine and whatever Theraflu, whatever the hell. I've got a beanie on, and I've got this uh, Pendleton flannel, like this button-up, really thick, warm flannel. <laughs> but I was no way in hell I was missing an opportunity to work with Steve Cotter. You know, no way, no way. So mm-hmm. I, I went down and and Buckley was uh, one of the students going through that class and then so i'm going around to different groups on this and that and started chatting with him and i remember when i heard someone call him john and i was like and i turn and i go that must be john brookfield <laughs> i hear all this stuff about brookfield, brookfield and his crazy strength and all the stuff and uh-huh. i turn it you know but no he goes oh i'm john i'm john wild buckley I go, cool nice to meet you dude it was just i don't know something about it we just clicked bro like it was funny like i'm supposed to be assisting you know, kind of this whole workshop. And I just like found myself just chatting with Buckley and like his other buddy from San Francisco at the time, forgot his name, but yeah, dude, like we just kept chatting about training and all this cool shit. Dude, I was like, this this guy's dope. (laughs) So I give him a bit, I give him a business card all antiquated, right? Like Cali caveman was my business at that time. I, I gave him a business card. I'm like, dude, hit me up, bro. Let's stay in touch. Right. Never heard from him. Right. So, so then, a short time later, a short time later, uh, Steve Cotter and Ken Blackburn were about to uh, basically roll out the very first international uh, kettlebell and what is it? Oh my gosh, shame on me! IKKF, IKFF, IKF. sorry, International Kettlebell and Fitness, Fitness Federation. Federation, yeah. My bad, Cotter. My bad, Blackburn. But yeah, it's yeah, all. International <laughs> Kettlebell and Fitness Federation. So he's about to roll out the very first certification. Right. Mm. In Chicago. Okay. So I'm not going to miss that shit. So, but I'm there this time as a student, right? Like, so Blackburn and Carter were putting this together and I just basically kind of offered my assistance, but you know, I was there, um, to go through, uh, that course and Susanna Baxter was there to go through the course and, but Buckley walks in, I go, 
Oh. What? I go, dude, didn't I see you like three weeks ago? I go, boom. I go, what? You know, what is it? Oh, so this is like a short time right after that. Story. Very short time. Ah, okay. okay. And I was like, so bro, you never like... hit me up. I was like, you never hit me up. He goes, <laughs> and like typical Buckley fashion, he, he's always got some like smooth line. He's like, yeah. He's like, I usually just, I don't do that until I bump into someone two times or <laughs> something like that. He goes, yeah, I saw Dude. you second time. He's like, now I'll hit you up. He's like, you're cool. He's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> so then we stayed in touch. Uh, that was great. Um, and uh, after after that course, I remember talking to Steve Cotter and Blackburn. I'm like, you know what? He's like, I want to, you know, continue like assisting assisting you guys with IKFF stuff if you're cool with that. And I said, but at the same time, I got to tell you, like, this guy, man, this guy, Buckley. He's articulate as hell. He's super sharp. He's a freaking lit major. And he looks like that. He's jacked. And he can, like, pick humans up with one fucking hand and press them over here. I'm like, he's also the guy. Like, I'm like, he's dope. Like, I was like, you got to bring him on. So then it was it was the four of us. Mm. It was Cotter and Blackburn were at the helm, like, steering the ship. And uh, John Wild Buckley and myself would actually uh, teach – the smaller certifications at that time for IKFF. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did, I did not know that because, you know, I went to one of those also, and it was in Santa Monica. And, okay. And uh, Steve was uh, – or no, it was just taught by Ken. Okay. Um, I don't think I met Steve then. I met mm. Steve later. But, um, yeah, it was Ken Blackburn and uh, our uh, good old pal um, – Mr. The Ritz showed up, which that's a, we could do a whole three-hour podcast just on that guy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, let's do another one on The Ritz. Oh, we yeah. definitely should. And so, I think I yes, thought about we'll it actually. Yeah, we'll we'll figure that out later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and that was, but I didn't know that you guys were teaching. Also, you, you, I, I wonder yeah, why you yeah. weren't at the Santa Monica one, or maybe you just had something come up, or I don't know. It depends on what year. What year you went to that? <sighs> that I have no idea, man. But yeah, because you know, Buck, yeah. Buckley and I, um, Buckley and I uh, parted ways from IKFF at the very end of 2009 slash beginning of 2010. But I believe it was the very end of, of 2009. Yeah, pro- we, probably uh, went, later than that. So probably that's yeah. The, so yeah, so that's why. But I mean, um, all is good. You know, sometimes you just you part ways or whatever. But all is of good. Course. Uh, kept everything cordial, and I and so still, you guys started your uh, own, still love those guys. Was that immediately kind of like, hey, let's start our own kind of uh, thing yeah, going? Yeah, it was yeah. pretty much, yeah. Okay. And, like, Buckley was like, is this the moment? And, like, he said. <laughs> That's a good said, Buckley impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said something like that, but it was like a, it was like a, a wrestling thing, like WWF kind of. Is this the moment? You know what I mean. Like, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't grow up watching, you know, pro wrestling like that. So yeah, I'm me like, neither. Uh, but, but I get what you're like, saying, bro. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, yeah. But I got what he was saying, and I was like, hell yeah! I was like, should we just do this shit? And like, how was like, it was crazy. And then Buckley was like, hey, like, do you want to go to Russia and do a workshop with such and such and this and that and that. That was kind of uh, the first idea. IKSFA, the ITFA, like, was, wow. 
just getting put together. Wow. And so we went in, um, yeah, in what 2010. Year was 2010. Okay. 2010. Okay. And it was M March, I think it was March or April in uh, St. Petersburg. And, uh, and so you we, and John, just the two of you guys, as far as like coming together from here, it was just you guys? Um, actually, no. We had, so here's who we had from the States. All right. And um, apologies to anyone if I'm forgetting. But so it was Buckley and myself. It was Nazo, mm -hmm. okay. It was Kevin Jodry and Nikona Jodry, okay. And it was Jeff Martone. So it's a big from group. The, from the states. And you right? guys flew all together from from. Uh, from no, no, oh, no, no, okay, no, okay, okay, okay. No, Buckley, myself, and Nazo flew uh, out, and we met at the San Francisco airport, okay. and then I believe I believe we flew out of San Francisco. Um, or LA, but anyway, then and it was trying like, to say Pete's, huh? No, no, no. It was like no? a a quick quick stop in uh, Finland, Finland, oh, I believe. Finland. Oh, yeah. okay. quick stop in Finland okay. because, as you know, right, the Bay of Finland is right there. So yeah, you just, it's really close. Yeah, basically, you just hop over the water. It's mm -hmm. a super short uh, flight, or flight. maybe it, it could have been it could have been uh, Norway airport. But anyway, it was a very sh short flight. It was a short flight. Probably over. Finland. Yeah, Finland is just yeah. you know, across the border. Yeah, yeah. You can maybe so, drive there. So, and so uh, that was your first. You've never been to Russia before. And uh, you no. arrive to St. Petersburg. And uh, yeah. I mean, do you remember your first impressions of Russia? Oh, hell yeah. So, <laughs> so now, as you know, I get geeked up and I can go off on tributaries and, and uh, kind of peel off of the mainstream. So I don't want to do that too much and respecting. <laughs> Our conversation, nah, man, but do whatever you want, though. I like. Okay, it. cool, cool. I appreciate <laughs> that. I Please, appreciate that shit. I appreciate that. So, um, when I when I <laughs> so it's kind of a trip, but before I even knew that we were gonna take a trip to to Russia, mm -hmm. I was already I was already messing around with Rosetta Stone Level One uh, Russian language. Um, I was uh, one time I was stuck in jury duty. And you just you go and you wait all day to find out if you're going to be on a panel. And this is before smartphones were smart. You know, I mean, you had phones, but no one's really doing anything on them. So I brought with me a book called Russian in 10 minutes a day. Yeah. Right. And in this book, you have all sorts of things. Very cool stickers you can put on your refrigerator. Holodilnik. Right. Like <laughs> little words that say like, nice. oh, I can. He's still right. got it. Refrigerator. refrigerator. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, but they have, like, in the very beginning of the book, the Cyrillic alphabet. Like, and so, what in the hell? So, during my jury duty time, uh, I taught myself how to read Cyrillic. Mm. And, uh, so, and, you kind of came prepared a little bit, somewhat, huh? Yeah, but but on, on two different levels. So, that was, so one level was, that I, I came prepared almost on accident mm -hmm. because I had already been messing around with the Russian language to, uh, to learn some words and, and uh, to improve my pronunciation and to uh, also kind of learn the Cyrillic, to, to read a little bit and this and that, right? But mm -hmm. I, wanted to, I wanted to actually uh, improve my character Milos. And this is before <laughs> I knew. It was before I knew I was going to actually go to Russia 
But when I was teaching for IKFF and all this stuff with, with Steve Cotter and man, they would like the students would go bananas. Like they would love it. If I, so, you know, Steve Cotter would be like, Hey, you want to go out and teach, like teach the hand to hand swing as Milos? And I'd be like, <laughs> boom, let's do it. So I'd go out and do that. And I'd, I'd stay in character. <laughs> really? Okay. Get your kettle. I'm going to show you something different, but more, you know what I thought? So bro, I would go out and crush so, I so this wanted is your to alter Im ego, ego, like a yeah, Russian yeah, yeah, yeah. that so, you guys um, created and, while you're hanging out there, huh? Right, right. And, and so, yeah, bro. And so that actually, my ability to do certain voices and so on, that stemmed from my dad just being awesome as a kid and letting me stay up and watch Saturday Night Live <laughs> with him, SNL, yeah. right, as a kid. And, and what my dad would do is on the commercials – he would watch, we would watch these things together. And then on the commercial, he would say, okay, now I'm going to impersonate, uh, you know, Adam Sandler, or I'm going to impersonate uh, Dana Carvey and uh, Kevin Nealon doing Hans and Franz, making fun of Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. all these things. And so, some my, yeah, so my dad would have, he would do the impersonation. My dad's pretty good. And then he would have me try because he just thought it was fun. And it was just, it was like our thing when we, we would watch SNL together and I was little bro. So I developed this mimicry uh, ability to sort of mimic sounds when I was very young. Yeah. And, and I think uh, to this day, you still have probably the best Russian impression of any American that I've ever met. In fact, I, so many times, bro, I, that's I, huge. So, so many times, bro. dude, so many times bro. I watch an American movie and, um, They'll have like a, and I get it, like, you know, because the business is like, it's one thing to do impressions, it's another thing to be a good actor, because, you know, you can have sure, a great sure. accent, but be a terrible actor. So I get right. it, like, sometimes they cast, like, uh, actors that are, like, supposed to be Russian bad guys, but they're, like, right, clearly, right, right, right. clearly by their face, American, which is yeah, one, yeah, yeah. one level, because, like, I don't know what it is, uh, and any Russian will tell you this, but for some reason, we can just tell by the face which person is Russian. Mm, I, mm, it's not like mm. it's not as simple as some people say, like it's high cheekbones or no, you no, know, no. like it, uh, feline it, it's eyes. It's just a thing. It's yeah, just a just thing, a and thing. I have no idea it, how to explain it. I mean, yeah. I guess maybe like um, you know, it's sort of like people who speak Spanish they can kind of tell by like the accent, like where the person is from. It's sort of like right, that, but right, except right. like yeah, physically, yeah. I have no idea. I can just tell you, like if sure. I see fucking. Fedorenko walked down the street. I'm like, that's a yeah. Russian guy, you know, or <laughs> yeah, Kyrgyzstan, yeah. by the way, because back then it was all Soviet Union mixed. So exactly. Really exactly. Yeah. Trade language. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, so many times I'm watching like a movie and they have like a, a American uh, actor who he, he may be a good actor, but his accent is fucking <laughs> atrocious. And his and you know how like as an American, you're reading the subtitles, right? Because you don't yes. understand what he's saying. Well, yeah. guess what? I'm also reading the subtitles so many times yeah. because their accent is so bad that I can't understand what yeah. they're saying in Russian. And like I said, it's not it's not like I'm not like yeah. hating. The one guy that did it great was um, Vigo Mortsen in um, uh, Eastern uh, Promises. Yeah. He was badass a great, movie. Badass, badass movie. movie. He was good. Badass yeah, he was acting. Good. He was good. Badass yeah. Russian. He fucking. Yeah. But 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 then again, I know about him. He speaks Danish. He speaks like four languages or something. So he's like a really talented guy. Yeah. So he was like one of the only guys that I've seen. I was like, okay, like I didn't have to read the subtitles. I can understand yeah. what he's saying. Anyway, so and, so many times and, I'm watching that and I'm thinking, man, they should fucking put Jason in there. He would be way better <laughs> well, with this well, bro, accent. <laughs> yeah. So it might be coming. So I think I'm I'm sort of well. I'm. It's a good thing. I'm going to go ahead and say it, but. I might be putting a lot of pressure on myself by saying this, but it's fine. So <laughs> you never know, but that may actually become a thing later on. 
because um, New Year, New Year's, New Year's Day or New Year's Eve, I haven't decided yet, but that's going to be um, the inaugural episode of Cooking on Milos. All right. my, my YouTube channel that I'm going to kick off. So that's just <laughs> to get some work, just to get some work. So if you're, you know, if you have a body of work that you can point people to and they see, okay, well, okay, this guy, whatever, he's kind of goofy. He's doing, he's got this Russian character Milos and okay, great. He's doing all this crazy, just brutal, just cooking techniques that, you know, it's 10 times harder than it should be all this stuff, whatever. And so at least I'll have a body of work, and, and the idea behind that is so that moving forward, I can mess around and do a little bit of voiceover work if possible, like animation kind of things in my head. I'm thinking of, you know, if they have yeah, Finding Nemo Part you know, 7, and he swims off of the shores of St. Petersburg, Russia, <laughs> he bumps into another fish, right? So and, we'll, we'll uh, put pressure on you, and I'll remind you yeah, to keep so on, anyway, get yeah. on it. So uh, yeah, exactly. So so um, but I, I look forward to that and uh, to interject on what you were saying yeah. uh, before. And uh, now, don't get me wrong; I think that for the most part, like Travolta's good. Like Travolta is a good actor <laughs> for for the most part. Yeah, but, fair to say. But I but I must say, there was a movie he did with Robert De Niro. Yeah, and he. So Robert De Niro was this ex-Marine from the States, if I if my memory serves me correct and uh, correctly. And Travolta was this ex-Chechnyan uh, uh, rebel, I, I believe, and mm. uh, trade language like Russian. And so he so he was cast to play this role with a Russian accent, hmm. speaking English with a Russian accent. I'm not sure what movie you're thinking. I wonder what this movie is, but um, bro, you is it fucking the have, worst thing you've ever seen, <laughs> bro? Like I was watching it and listening, and I was like, "Oh no!" Oh no! <laughs> like, yeah, and I, and I'm is an it, American. Uh, the Killing right? Season like, is the that American the name of the guy movie? Watching this, yeah. So okay, Killing Season. Yeah. Is that the name so of the movie? so yeah, that'll uh, be your homework. You gotta that's watch my that. Homework. I'll check it out. It sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. Bro, it was just not so anyway. Yeah, so after they're out of the military, like they still have this huge grudge match, De Niro and Travolta, and Travolta's trying to come after De Niro and all this stuff, all this stuff, vice versa, whatever. Uh-huh. You just have to see it. And I was like, uh, I get it. The name's famous. That'll sell, you know, sell some DVDs, I guess. But right. it's the worst thing. All ooh, right. That sounds sounds yeah. good. I'm always, you know, yeah. another movie that uh, won an Oscar. And again, I mean, well, the movie, no, the movie did not deserve an Oscar, but there's just nothing else that's made that's being that's good these years that uh, it won. It's called uh, Shape of Water. Did you see that one? Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Um, you know, like a romantic movie, Chick Falls in Love with the Beast. I mean, it's just a uh, Beauty and the Beast kind of story. I mean, okay, Jesus. But um, yeah, the whole time they're being followed by these like uh, Russian KGB spies because this takes place, I don't know, in, like maybe the 50s or okay. the 60s or something like that. Okay, okay. And okay. dude. They are so fucking bad, like so bad. Like it's not even like you said. Like there's some movies where I'm like, it's terrible. But like, like um, I think uh, isn't the Triple X with Vin Diesel? Isn't he supposed to be a Russian there? That do you remember I, that original I, one? I, I don't or is it like Transylvania? Was to be Russian. It wasn't Russian. Okay. But I don't know. I, I, he, I'm not sure. But there's some movies you know where I'm watching. And I'm like, I get it. The bad Russian guy, mm-hmm. and it's like this is bad, but it's okay. Like it's watchable. Mm-hmm. Dude, the Shape yeah. of Water. 
was the fucking worst. I don't, and it won an Oscar too because it was such a high budget movie. I was just shocked that I was wow. like, they could not get anybody to speak a lick of Russian. I mean, they didn't even have any like, um, you know, super wow. important parts. So um, yeah, wow. But that's Hollywood for you. Yeah, so yeah, anyway, yeah. man. So so tell me about Russia. How was your fucking experience in Saint Petersburg the first time you went down there? So I was geeked up. I was so excited because I'm like, here we go. The motherland of kettlebell lifting. And we're going to, you know, we're going to meet these great coaches. Mm -hmm. We're going to meet Sergei Rachinsky. We're going to meet Denis Vasiliev. We're going to yeah. meet Sergei Rudnev and uh, Arkady. Um, and uh, wow. And it was just, I was so excited. And Buckley was so excited. You know, it's just, oh, wow. So we go, we go there. Mm -hmm. So on the, on the first day, oh, and dude, my apologies, Tom Corrigan, dude. Tom Corrigan was oh, with us. Oh, I remember Tom. Tom, yeah. Tom Corrigan was a big part of setting that trip up, bro. Oh, Sorry, okay. Tom. Bro, Tom Corrigan. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, um, so at the, the hotel, Gastinitsa. So at, the, at this uh, <laughs> this hotel. Throws in the Russian word for hotel. <laughs> yeah. Good man. So, <laughs> boom. So, so Tom Corrigan. Uh, he was great. So he's telling us all these stories about Sergei Mishin and all the stuff. Like it was, oh, it was great. And I believe, yeah, we met Mishin, Sergei Mishin on that trip too. Anyway, first day in Russia. True story. We get there. I'm doing my best to like read everything. Like I'm like, I'm, I see a building. I'm like, Buckley. Velocipede. I'm like, ah, I swear to God, bro, you can you can rent bikes there or buy bicycles or some shit. Like, no, no, I'm telling you that. No, that says bicycles. I promise you. That's impressive, Product, man. Pro, producti, pro, nice. I'm like spelling it out. Producti. I'm like, oh, this got to be produce or products. You probably get milk and bread and shit there, right? And so anyway, so I, I'm having it. I'm going nuts, just reading everything like a four year old. And, you, you and so, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, like, because that scares, like, the Russian Cyrillic scares so many people away that they don't realize that, like, actually, once you learn a Cyrillic, hundred percent, yeah, you can fucking read Russian. The problem is no. understanding and and uh, bingo, bingo, uh, and, and no, putting no, it together 100%. and having the correct ending and the terms Bro, and the times yep. and all that there other bullshit. No, which not like, a lot even of... as a Russian speaker, it's like, dude, sometimes we're like, like. Why? Because <laughs> there's like, yeah. you know, like in English, it's like you eat, I eat, we eat. And in Russian, it's like, yeah, yeah, yes, and you eat that, we eat Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's changing, yeah. It's all changing, you know. And it's yeah, like, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, so, exactly. But that's but, cool, um, man. So you're like uh, reading everything so, as you're driving so, around. So, yeah, yeah. So just going off, like, and just, it was super exciting. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Was first trip. Oh, and Andrew Derniat was with us. Sorry, Andrew. Andrew Derniat was with us on that first trip as well. Strongman Derniat, you know. And uh, so anyway, um, yeah, so I'm reading everything. And it's just I'm reading. But just like you said, I can if, – if there was – at that time, if it was me and a blind Russian man, we are good to go. Because <laughs> I, can, I can read it and pronounce the Cyrillic words, most Pretty of good. which I have no idea what I'm saying, but he could hear the pronunciation, understand what I'm saying, and then he can speak Russian. We'd be we good. We'd be a good pair. Yeah. But but like you said, there is so many words in Russian language that have a very similar sound to English, and I believe it's the same way in uh, German as well. Like some some words 
Russian words were like German that have been like altered, like chleb, uh, which I can't even still say it's hard, like bread, the word for bread or something. <laughs> but uh, but these things are similar. So you you pronounce, you see the word, you pronounce it, and then you try to okay, what does that sound like? And then it's like teatre, uh, teatre. Whoa, mm. shit, fear. Okay, yeah, cool. Like, yeah, yeah. And I mean, word like you can read Cyrillic, taxi. Like, come on, man, taxi. Yeah. Like, bro. Okay. There's like, a there's lot a of lot of shared. Yeah. A lot of words sure. very similar. And also, this I don't know if anyone has ever done this anywhere. Maybe so, but that day in jury duty, um, when I taught myself Cyrillic, I helped myself out by looking through the uh, the Cyrillic alphabet, and I said, okay, cool. Which letters, first things first, are like uh, redundant, right? Which, which letters are the same in Cyrillic, the same with English alphabet, oh. like, and so, so, like, uh, so, so okay. this was, this was, yeah, so, mm -hmm. but A, king, might, overthrow. Oh, so you create right? like a little thing for you yeah, to remember. Yeah, a king might overthrow, right? So mm -hmm. a key, uh, a key, a key. I'm not a Russian now. No, but, <laughs> yeah, so you That's go cool. through those and then you're like, oh, wait a minute. Like, okay, cool. T, yeah, that works. All right, cool. M, yeah, that works. Okay, cool. Um, o, yeah, okay, cool. Like, all right. Yeah, A, yes. And then K, uh, all right, cool. Like, so it's an interesting thing. But when you have that on lock, a mm -hmm. king might overthrow, you're like, okay, cool. Now I know those, and then you only have to learn the rest. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And then it was fun because I, I made it fun uh, by, as I studied, I would read to myself as Milo. So I'd read kind of like quietly and looking around. <laughs> okay. I was like, okay, this, da, ah, da, e, the, we, like trying to make these sounds and all this stuff. It was really cool. Uh, but I had fun with it. So it stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. And here I am in Russia doing that so we get to the hotel we check in this and that we're like ah what do we do all right cool so we went literally right across the street and shot automatic machine guns what? so that was that's what you oh, guys did story. who took you oh, to do yeah. that seriously dude the first day <laughs> so yeah you know i mean um oh man Alex alexander caution you know um r.i.p rest in peace alex Right, uh, but I, like, I've heard about that recently. I didn't know that he passed away. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know. Man, so sad crazy. to hear that because he was he was so Alexander was uh, one of the translators there, right? Because he spoke English. Yes, he correct. lived in New yeah. York, I think, right? Yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah, correct. So yeah. he came out for the trip. And um, so, so yeah, Alex was uh, basically kind of helped us translate when we walked over there. And there then there was this guy. He was terrifying. He was like. The Igor Morozov of machine guns. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not even kidding. Like, it was, this guy was terrifying, and he was like, he kept yelling at us. Like, so when, when I don't know, we were shooting some, we were shooting some crazy rifle mm -hmm. that they used in World War II. Like, you know, just crazy rifle, and you sit down. It was bolt action, and he's like yelling at us. He three inches. Three inches. <laughs> he, he's telling us to keep our eye three inches away oh, from the smack from, in the fucking exactly because the recoil is going to yeah. smack that rifle, that eyepiece back in your face. He yeah. would yell, and he's like, 
stop. He's like, okay, fire. And he was like, he was just like, so, whoa. That guy was like, and he was jacked too. He like looked crazy. I was like, you know what? I'm going to make sure I'm friends with this guy, you know? <laughs> so anyway, so I'm using my Russian to, you know, compliment him and say some different things and whatever. But so after shooting a gang of Uzis and automatic shotguns and Benelli's and World War II rifles and stuff right across the street from our hotel, <laughs> then Buckley and myself and Tom Corgan, we walked uh to liquor store, you know what else do you do on your first day in Russia? We walked Damn. to liquor store. And, you guys got uh, a fucking fun treatment in Russia so, the first day. Yeah, That's hilarious. True story, bro. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, hey, Russian experience, get it right. Boom. Oh man. And so, uh, so Tom Corrigan uh, went with us, and I remember it's kind of crazy. I remember this shit, but like Tom Corrigan, um, he bought a bottle of Standard, the standard. Stand, the yeah. vodka, Ruski very kind of yeah. very commonplace. It, it's probably like the like the sky or whatever vodka yeah. in Russia. But you just can, kind you of know, you can even find it calm. here in Ralph's. Like it, it, most days, of yeah, the week. No, no, I've no, seen I know it. It's, yeah. I know it's, it's here also, but <laughs> yeah. But it was so anyway. So that's what he got. And uh, Buckley and I, we just got several bottles of like Baltica Nine, Baltica Six, and like had all the that's Baltica's. correct Baltica Six and Baltica Nine. So Russian beer, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beer, beer, the And so that. yeah, so we took those back, and you know. Might as well drink some Russian beer on the first day, just chilling at the hotel, and wow. then we're trying you, to figure out. You guys out what must to have eat. thought that's like that's what Russia is. Just, that's it, just shooting guns and drinking beers and getting wasted, huh? And well, lifting kettlebells, uh, I guess. Well, it was just <laughs> it was right there. You know, it was right there next to our hotel. So I'm like, might as well shoot automatic machine guns on first day. So I don't know. Yeah, man. And uh, yeah, and then it was just that no, was dope, and the, the course was great. Uh, we got taken to school, um, cleaned up real quick. I remember. I remember that uh, I had some lingering discomfort from a couple of uh, little baby stress fractures um, where uh, below below where the wrist knuckle is that you see now, mm-hmm. I, I used to hold the bell with a hand uh, cocked back like this. No. So the ball of the kettlebell would sit lower. So it hurts and, even more. And it would sit kind of right on your radius bone of the forearm. Mm-hmm. Very uncomfortable. And then uh, messing around with, I have this, uh, what was it? Well, I added weight to it for swings and some crazy stuff uh, that I do with this one belt. But at the time, it was a 56 kg, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it was like 125 pounds. I want to say that in case I'm off in the kilos, but it was 125 and ordered that from, uh, I'm forgetting the company right now, but like, it was like Overdrive Athletics or something. But anyway. Maybe, maybe perform better or something. No, 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 no. This That's was like, like way ahead, no, huh? No, oh, no, God, yeah. God, was, God. They, they jumped in way later. Uh-huh. And so so I started doing some one-arm jerks, trying to do like some strong stuff like the, the kids from Greece were doing this and that. But like, bro, with my hand position in that handle not being in the appropriate posture right for the hand that weight that much weight was sitting too low and i created a real uh, problem in my forearms so as i was healing like a real genius my ego did not let me rest for like you know four to five weeks or six weeks or whatever that you would for a bone mm-hmm. um and so i just started wrapping the shit out of my uh <laughs> out of my my wrists and forearms with ace bandages really thick 
So I got used to that. And then when I got there on day one, I was sitting there after lifting a little bit and we're listening to Sergey Rudnev uh, teaching the course. And this is like on, I think, the day number two, the first day of the course. And uh, Sergey Roshinsky, he jogs over and he just kind of slides down across the wooden floor of the gym. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he grabs he grabs the wrist wraps that are on my wrist and he unravels it. And then he just throws it and he goes, oh, no. Really? He, just throws, <laughs> he throws it away and I'm like, oh, man. oh, shit. Like, so I'm thinking like, oh, man, this is going to be a real problem, you know, with my forearms. And I was nervous about it and I was trying to explain and have Alex translate. And so Sergey Rudnev was like, no. Duh. <laughs> so no, you, no cocking duh. of the wrist, just keep yeah, it straight. Yeah, yeah. Down, yeah. Down, and so I'm like, yeah, and so it was super weird because my forearms were still sore and hurting kind of from the healing. So yeah. I had it here, right, sitting like this, sitting kind of low. Uh-huh. And then you just slide it up a little bit. No. Yes. Duh. Wow. Okay, duh. And then so then, you know, we're like, okay, boom, the insertion, really learning this and all that. Like, dude, it was dope. And so immediately, just by that, no, the, like when yeah, I went you to something right away. Yeah. When I went yeah. to the, I was like, that doesn't hurt. Yeah. And I was like, so well, it doesn't hurt. Like, you guys met like all the superstars of the fucking kettlebell. Igor world Morozov was assisting. So you met yeah, like Sergei Rachinsky, Sergei Rudnev. Sergey Mishin, who's like the he was like the I don't know Michael Jordan of uh, the god, the right. absolute god of kettlebell and uh, Igor Morozov and yep. uh, Denis Ar- Vasiliev Ar- also, yeah. right? Arkady, of course, Arkady. Vasiliev. So uh, I mean, yes. you met a lot yeah. of guys. And how long did how long was that course? How long were you there for? Like a week or something like that? Five days? Yeah. Uh, well, um, I think we were there for a week, but I think I think the course was like five days. Maybe it was Monday through Friday or some something like that. I think, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think so. So um, you had the course, then you guys got a bunch of knowledge and went back, went back to the states. Yeah, we went mm-hmm. back and we stopped. Like we went back and we stopped teaching for a while because why we were just like, oh, shit. We were just like, bro, we got some shit to learn. Like mm-hmm. we well, got yeah, like. Did you feel you know, a little bit outschooled? Or what, did you kind of feel like, oh, shit, these guys know some shit that we don't know? Oh, yeah, no, no, it was great. Like, no, it was, I mean, we were doing so much wrong. We didn't know. We had pieces that we learned from Fedorenko, but, like, like Fedorenko, like, didn't share a whole bunch of stuff. And, like, so mm-hmm. we had some pieces, and then, you know, we were working with also a, a gentleman named Dennis Kanagin, uh for a while, and, and he um, was able to kind of piece together some other things. He, You know, he could read Igor Morozov's blog, so he was doing his best try to kind of show us some other pieces with breathing that was a little better but bro once we got to russia we were like wow okay mm-hmm. we don't know anything we're just like all trying to complete white belt right yeah white belt mentality time as we got to learn and we have to practice and get the breathing down and all this stuff down from these workbooks that we had before we start teaching again and i think the first one we taught after we came back from russia in the states was at Red Barn uh, in South Glastonbury, Connecticut, with Terry Parker, my my student, my very first 
wow. kettlebell sports student, right? Wow. And that's where that's where I met Dean Dufford as well. You know Dean? I don't. Dean I Dufford? Don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm okay. familiar with him, but uh... yeah. So anyway, but we waited a while. Buckley and I waited a while before um, mm -hmm. wanting to get back right back into teaching. Right. Although, although we did uh, fly to Japan in. I don't know, maybe it was like a month or two after we had come back from Russia to do our best to teach uh, our first OKC in Japan, J Japan certification. Yes. Which, and, and we had gone, uh, I have been to Japan seven times teaching. Wow. Kaba. Yeah. So, wow. yeah. So I know a little bit of Japanese as well, but not nearly like my rest. Like if you drop me anywhere, any region in Russia, doesn't matter. I'm totally fine. I, I can get exactly what I need. Yeah, totally comfortable. 100%. <laughs> no, no, legit. Like absolute zero discomfort. No nerves. Even with everything going on, like I still would be very comfortable because I purposely did not learn any curse words in Russian. So mm -hmm. I don't even know. I don't even know how to do that. Hmm. Um, hmm. And I did, I did that in case like we were drinking somewhere and this not Anyway, I made sure that's not going to be able to come out of my mouth. But what I made sure to learn was a lot of sistruka, a lot of bratella. Well, a lot of like like slang. A, a, okay. a lot okay. of slang, a lot of like cultural kind of like, this is my bro. Like, hey, yo, slang, come yeah. over here, man. Let's hang out. Those kind of things. So, so all those are also still locked in the head, yeah. um, which is great. Because you guys went back. And then I heard about something about you guys going back to Russia by yourselves, mm -hmm. just you and John. How long so after that first shit. trip was that? <laughs> so that was our second trip, and that was nuts. So that was it was like a year later or something, or no, no, more? no, not even no. It wasn't. It was like okay. So I think we were there. Oh, it was May. I think May. It was in May. In St. Petersburg was the first one, 2010. So then, ready for mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. Not only did we go back for a third trip mm. to the second ICSA certification mm -hmm. in May of 2011, but in the meantime, we had this like combined idea that was so cool. And in the course, I, I said, this guy, Sergey Rudinov, I was like, Buckley, I was like, that's the guy I was like, that's I want that guy like he should he should coach us like that's the guy, you know, and because uh, Vasiliev was just kind of assisting, you know, at, at that time mm -hmm. um, for Roshinsky and so on. And but Rudinov, just the language he was speaking and I was like, this guy's sharp. He's mm -hmm. I really like this. And so I told Buckley, this is during the class. I was like, bro, I have an idea. I, bro, I have an idea. And I go, <laughs> Do you think? Do you think that we could convince that guy mm -hmm. to let us come visit him in the far east of Russia in Blagoveshens and go to his village in the middle of fucking winter? Wow. So you had this like rocky, rocky moment, huh? You're... Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, 100%, bro. Like, oh, shit. Like, so it was just so dope. And then Buckley turns to me and he goes, and it's kind of like how Buckley and I work. We're just like, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of like two peas in the same pod in uh, in a lot of ways. Buckley turns and he goes, and do you think we could time it so that there's also a competition out there in the middle of winter in Eastern Russia that we could compete in? I'm like, mm -hmm. done. He's like, let's try. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
we made it happen. So the second trip was to go and stay with Sergei Rudnev mm -hmm. for, uh, for, for a week. So yeah. we were there, I think we were there. No, it was 10. It was 10 days. Yeah. We were there for 10 days and the amount of shit we learned, man, was nuts. And yeah, it was and like, Sergei, so Rudnev lives in Blagoveshensk, which is like the very, which is just above Vladivostok, I think. Um, so it's the very end of Russia. Uh, so it's, so it's, it's actually quite a bit above because Russia is so massive. So yeah, on our, on our first day, and this may be for another, uh, chat we can do. I think for another um, for another podcast, uh, if you'd be uh, so cool as of to course, let me brother. on again, right? Of course, but, brother. Anytime. But that could be a combination of how the Ritz was birthed in in the kettlebell world oh, yeah? slash slash the Siberian quest. That actual entire <laughs> trip. But I'll give you just a, a well, little. Well, yeah, you got to you got to let me know, like, I mean, taste so here, yeah. What was sure. your, what was even your flight like? How'd you get over there? So you guys, you know, because you live in LA, Buckley lives in uh, San Francisco, Oakland area, right? And uh, how what was your guys' trip? Did you meet up in San Francisco again and fly over there, or what? Uh, so we met up in LA. So Buckley, uh, I think Buckley drove. I think he drove down to LA. Okay. Drove down to LA, and you got on a plane here and flew out to we, Moscow. My buddy, my buddy Shaw Ali drove us to LAX at like four in the morning, the day we we're going to take off. And so this was our trip, and this is what we did to save eight hundred dollars. Because mind you, like we were trying to teach these workshops, we we're barely making ends meet financially. It was just oh man, like we were really trying to put our our all into kettle everything okay mm -hmm. see we're trying to really just grow and learn and so on and so to save eight hundred dollars between the both of us we decided that instead of flying into i forget like flying into be not Beijing, but flying into somewhere in china and then having just another really quick uh plane flight to, to, to like basically Blago or somewhere very close to Blago, mm -hmm. we decided, hey, okay, how about this? We save money, but then we have to. This is what happened. Did you do the Trans Siberian Railway? Bro, or what? bro, <laughs> we so we did, bro. We did Trans Siberian Railway on airplanes before <laughs> we even got. To the freaking Vauxhall, the, oh, the train man. station, right? Yeah. So, bro, this is how this is how it went down. Six hour trip from L.A. flight to New York, right? Yeah. We had like an hour layover, right? Mm -hmm. And which was bananas because uh, Fyodor or Fyodor Melnyenko yeah. was on our flight. Oh, I didn't from, know that. Oh, from, he was an yep, MMA from, fighter. Wow, seriously? Yeah, Federal yeah. Did you see him? He had just he had just finished fighting Bigfoot Silva. Oh, he just so got his he was ass wearing, beat. He was oh, wearing. Man. He got he got beat up. Yeah, yeah he got so beat up bad. So big. He had big sunglasses on. Watching. Oh Jesus! He was very bruised up. So he had big uh, sunglasses on. Yeah. And 
he's sitting there with his crew and they all look so fucking cool. And they're wearing these parkas. Like, I don't know why they were wear, wearing the parkas inside. We're Russian. Don't yeah. ask. This is but, what we Okay, do. yeah. You, don't ask. <laughs> just wonder. You <laughs> know, it's, okay. It's but just, that's old so cool. Russian they, thing. Yeah. So these red, these red parkas. And I believe the company is Forward that makes those. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know still, Forward, the Russian company. I have one of and, those fucking yeah, parkas. Actually. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So Fedor had this red one with Russia across the back all big, and then it's got the fur. Uh, that was the Olympics. The that, that was like right after the Olympics. On, they became the really popular. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Uh -huh. So so anyway, so it was, it was dope. And Fe what does Fedor do with his, with his crew of like just thugs hanging around this and that? They're fucking playing chess. Yeah. <laughs> chess. Playing chess. So they're all like cerebral and into the gangster, something like cool. So anyway uh – -huh. So we're five rows behind uh, Fedor on our flight. We take this flight to Moscow. Mm -hmm. All right. And so that's where Fedor gets off. So our flight to Moscow was uh, from New York. I think it was – I think it was like – What, the time? It's a 10-hour it's flight. It's like a 9, 10-hour flight. 9 hour, nine something hours yeah, from New York to it. Moscow? It's 9, 10 Some, hours, something yeah. like that. Sometimes so so then longer. we have another hour and a half to two hours, right, waiting there. And mind you, that airport had just been bombed by terrorists like seven days or 14 days earlier. And I think something like ah, – like, 30 people lost their lives or something like that. It may, it may have been an airport next to, next to that, but it was it was bananas. So Buckley and I, we were super nervous about the trip, right? Mm. And so it was it was in Moscow where it happened. Well, and and so chances uh, of it happening a second time probably are lower. So well, there no, you go. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. So that's in my mind. I'm like, Yo, we got that. Then we had this other thing where Sergey Rudinov told us that he goes. You guys, the size of your beards right now, you're going to look like Russian priests. And he said something. He's like, he's like, yeah, it's probably a good thing. You're going to look like Russian priests and whatever. But, yeah. you know, looking at us, you know we're American. Yeah. But uh, so I had this plan. <laughs> I had this plan. It was so weird. Once we got to the Moscow airport before flying to uh, Vladivostok, uh, we, I said, okay, Buckley, we'll get some food and then wait for our flight by going to the complete opposite area of the entire airport and just sitting against the wall in the corner because if a terrorist wants to do his work he what's he trying to do if he's a suicide bomber he's going to try to go into a group and take out the most people that he can otherwise it's a waste he's not going to be like oh big group of people it's science let me, let, me pull, let me yeah let me go over to those two weird looking motherfuckers with the beards in the corner and take just two guys out no i mean me. you guys are pretty big you know with your beards i don't i, I don't think so, I, I feel like most russians wouldn't mess with you guys you know no 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 Surprise. this wasn't no it wasn't russians that we we were worried about no it was a ter ter terrorist situation yeah uh with, in the airport so we're over there sitting in the corner with our backs to the wall far away just eating our snacks mm -hmm. so then so everything was good you know um and uh, everything was safe. Uh, so we get on the flight. And this this is when it gets very interesting. So we get on this Aeroflot. 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 Aeroflot this airplane yeah. that was very antiquated. And it still smelled like cigarettes from the 70s and shit. Yep, like I'm not yep. even kidding. So, so 
this plane was. You know, I will say though, just just to give because everybody has such a bad impression of Russia too. I will say that that they have retired all of those old Aeroflot planes now. Oh, right. And they oh, okay, only cool. fly right new on. ones. Yeah, they're only flying the Boeing, like the new. Oh, cool, cool. Boeing okay. Ones, so. Oh, cool, cool. Right on. Just so you um, don't freak out another some other people, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You good, good call. But also too, also too, you're even at that time you're not going to experience that. If you're going to Moscow or going to St. Petersburg, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, you only go. But when you, you go into a tiny town, when you when you go from Moscow to Vladivostok, no one gives a shit. Like no one cares. Like yeah, they're like, cares. oh, we'll put the. We'll. <laughs> <laughs> so they pulled out whatever Aeroflot was from 1971. Uh-huh. Bro, it was fucking just loaded with cigarette, like stench, you know. And it was like we were like, fuck, this is such. Oh man. A quest. It was so <laughs> dope. It was so cool because you, you just come on, man. And so we're on this plane, and this plane was I don't know if it was slow or if just <laughs> just the fact that if you look at a slow map, plane. Dude, check this out. If you look at a map, if you look at a map and you fly, this is how this is how huge Russia is. People don't people don't get it. People yeah. don't get it. Russia is so massive, people have no clue. If you fly from West Coast to East Coast in the States, we're talking six hours max, dude. Yeah. Six hours maximum. Like, yeah. you know, LA to New York, LA to Maine, whatever. Six hours, man. Check this out. The flight from Moscow. Now, mind you, Moscow is already quite a ways. Yeah, it's pretty close east to the border. From East from St. Petersburg, which is West Coast, it's quite a ways already inland. Yeah, like right? if you're looking at a map, it's like pretty much there's the border to Ukraine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So think about that. So our flight from Moscow to, mind you, six hours LA to New York. Our flight from Moscow, which is already a big chunk into the country, Moscow to Vladivostok on the far east. Uh, eastern, southern, like tip of Russia was eleven point five fucking yeah. hours on yeah. a plane. Yeah, that I have it a, takes twelve to go to Japan yeah, from man. LA. I have a. I, I always do this <laughs> thing where I tell people like, because people ask me like where I was born, and I was born on Kamchatka. Kamchatka. Which is, you guys Kamchatka. went to Vladivostok, and if you look at a map, Vladivostok is like the the east southernmost end of Russia. Mm-hmm. And then if you go up a little bit, a peninsula starts. And that peninsula mm-hmm. is called Kamchatka. And that's where I was mm-hmm. born. And so I explain to people, like, if you take a flight from New York <laughs> to Moscow, like you said, it's a 10-hour yeah. flight, right? Uh-huh. Now, they have flights that go from Moscow directly to Kamchatka nowadays. And, mm-hmm. Well, they always had them. But um, okay. anyway, so, you can t- so a flight from New, from New York to literally across the Atlantic Ocean, across, across Europe to fucking Russia is 10 hours. But if mm. you go from Russia, Moscow, to Kamchatka, to Russia, that flight is actually 12 hours. So just, you know, so people can understand, as you said, how fucking yep. big Russia is yeah. and how far away it is. Yep. Bananas, bro. Yeah, Bananas. you guys went pretty far. And so, so you went so, to meet Rudnif over there, huh? Dude, it was amazing. So we, like, the journey is barely halfway over just getting to Blago. So... So after that 11 and a half hour flight on the antiquated uh, plane that has now been retired, we get to Vladivostok. Um, and so 
I didn't know, Buckley didn't know, the Vladivostok airport is two hours away from Vladivostok. <laughs> we didn't know that. So, yeah, so Rudnif, Rudnif knows a lifter uh, named Anton. Um, and uh, Or am I mixing it up? So, no, Anton was his roommate that spoke Russian. But, Anatoly, uh, maybe? Uh, That's uh, a no, no, uh, no. Vasi, Vasi. Vasya? Vasi? Vasya. But, yeah, so... Mm-hmm. So Vasily and uh, Vasily was it Vasily? No, no, no. It was so not. Vaisa, it was not. It was not Vasily. It was like okay. Vasily, Vasily, or Vasily. Yeah, Vaisa anyway, so, is like a common. Yeah. Name. So, so this guy, like we had no idea, no communication, whatever. Just supposedly these guys are going to be there to pick us up and drive us to the Vaxal, to the train station in. Uh, Vladivostok, so we can then take the train ride to Blagoveshens, right? So these guys pick us up, and uh, Rudnev just says, look for big guy, beard, as like John Buckley, right? Mm-hmm. So they find, find us, and Anton, uh, he spoke English pretty much fluently, so it was like wow. so it was v- very easy. easy. Yeah, because he, he, like, he was going to the University of, I don't know, like, I don't know, Vladivostok, maybe, but... English major, I think. Nowhere Russia. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So Vladivostok, by the way, is like, if there's one city that I think represents like uh, what I saw in that movie, like Children of Men or whatever it's called, where (laughs) like it was kind of the end of days and like everyone's like just, I couldn't believe what I saw. It was was unbelievable. The, the, The smoke coming out of these, like you could chew on it. Like it was, there's like, battleships that are like rotting in the creek and like yeah man bro i don't know it was amazing oh. though i loved it yeah it's it a so it's a dope. hard place though right Dude, fucking hard, hard you up. Like hard you gotta yeah. be hard ass to live there and yeah and and so <laughs> they took us back and the train was not ready for like three hours so they let us come back and they took us to their apartment building and their mm. apartment building was they they hadn't they hadn't changed the decor since some 90 year old lady died in there Mm-hmm. And so the decor was like all this just super fine, like little old school Russian like uh, plates and silverware or whatever. But they're like, oh, we just left it the way it was. And, and out the window, they're pointing and they're like, look. And so Vasi was like, okay. <laughs> He's pointing. And he, I don't know the term fisherman mm-hmm. um, in Russian, right? But like, so Rubak. riba that's all i know riba like okay Rubak, Rubak is the same yeah riba oh, is go. fish okay. Rubak is like a okay. person who fishes yeah okay there you go uh-huh. so they're pointing out the window to these tiny dots and i'm like okay and because the sea of japan which we were looking at the sea of japan is frozen for like in the middle of winter it's frozen for like i don't know what do you think like 10 kilometers out right yeah. something like that crazy yeah. so these guys make their living fishing for sardines with the old school screw like you see in the cartoons. Yeah. True story. And their backpacks, we saw them walking around, dude. The, these backpacks they were wearing, they were wooden because <laughs> they were fucking seats. True story. <laughs> and, and next to the seat was hanging the massive corkscrew yeah. that they sit on the ice and, and then, you know, boom, and then throw their, their line down and just, you know, drink vodka and just yeah. try to stay warm and, then they sell it to the produti, like the little supermarket or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we, t- we actually take a nap there, hoping that, like, hopefully we're not going to, like, get murdered or, like, hopefully, like, we're, we're, we didn't even know. We were so tired. We were, 
but they were awesome. They actually um, woke us up on time, and they were like, okay, nah, okay, uh, Buck's off. And I was like, all right, Buck, <laughs> train station time. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, so they took us to the train station, and then, bro, then, on that train, it was 33-hour train ride from from uh, Vladivostok to Blagoveshens, right? Oh, so and you had like a day and night over. Yes. Oh, man. It was exactly. It was no. amazing. So mm-hmm. the reason it was so long, it, was, it wasn't that the, the Trans-Siberian Railway was incapable of getting there at a decent speed. It was because like every three kilometers, I don't know, maybe every 10 kilometers, the train would stop yeah. and then di- different military personnel would hop on. Yeah. And other military personnel would hop off, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we w- we were so exhausted, and it, there's just like bunk beds. And Buckley and I decided, okay, we're gonna take <laughs> bunk beds on the opposite side. We thought the safest and smartest way. We didn't know. Was bottom bunk bed on. He took bottom bunk bed on the left, and I was bottom bunk bed on the right. Well, bottom is smart because you guys are so big. If you fall off, you're gonna fucking. Well, it's not just that, but we can see, but we can like see who's coming in. Bunk beds, because in Russia, the trains. I mean, even the newer trains are nice to have pretty good beds, but still, the length of them is like, I mean, I don't know. 5'8 maximum. Like I'm saying, if you're like a I, – I, I know when oh, yeah. I lay down, I have to tuck my legs up a little bit. I'm like 5'9". So um, – Yeah. The, yeah. No, How I don't know, John bro. Sleep? This train was fucking <laughs> super old, bro. Like, hey, no. If you if you wanted to flush the toilet, there was no handle. So like I'm like uh, looking yeah, around. I'm you like, got to press on the pedal. Yeah, that's old school bro, shit, man. There's a pedal. <laughs> bro, how am I supposed to know, right? So I'm looking around and it's straight camouflage and shit. My eyes are not that good in the dark anyway, so the bathroom's super Everything like, is like dark. Gray. Try, yeah. You know what I mean? You're trying to take your crap and you don't even like you're like, okay, I brought my own toilet paper for sure. That, so I, that's I smart. came prepped with that. That's smart. Because I didn't know. And like there was like a couple of sheets of like I don't know, like fucking dry drop. Like a couple of sheets of fucking drywall. Like yeah. I don't know. I'm like, do I want my you're ass lucky they that? that? Usually they have nothing there. Or you gotta ask <laughs> you for know? it, you know? So I'm like, what is that? Drywall and shit? Like so Anyway, so we came prepared with our own toilet paper. And, bro, like, so anyway, I'm, like, looking looking around. Like, how do I flush a toilet? I'm, like, what the hell? There's no f- handle to flush. I'm, like, this is super weird. And I feel like a like the lame American who can't figure it out. Then I see this small chunk of metal that's sticking <laughs> out of the floor. And it's only about, dude, where's the freaking camera? It's only yeah. about, like, that big around. Yeah, it's tiny. And it's, like, maybe an inch and a half off the ground. I'm, like. <laughs> I don't know. Do I fucking step on that? Right. So I'm like, I look at it. I'm like, take my foot and will you press? Boom! I step. I step down on it, and then the toilet. This was nuts. <laughs> the toilet goes <laughs> boom, and it just boom. It opens up. It opens up, dude. And everything just fell right down onto the fucking train tracks, dude. And this was this was in the middle of the daytime, and I was like. Oh, oh my god. god! I was like, what in the shit just happened right now, bro? I was like, what? What? Dude, is that legal? Is was that okay? Like you know what I mean? Fucking amazing, bro. And I, I go back and I tell Buckley, I'm like, bro, I gotta share some shit with you about the bathroom. Oh, my god. oh wow. That was amazing, bro. 
Fucking Dude, I'm hell. dying. I can't stop laughing. I'm crying right here. The sound. The sound. <laughs> yes, like, once it opened up, you just heard like right now. First, you're in the train, man. Like, the train is like, and I was like, I can imagine your face. I, I was like, I just pooped all over <laughs> Siberia. Oh, is that okay? Like, oh my, oh, god, oh my god, god, dude, like, bro, oh. that was. Oh, you made me laugh so hard there. Bro. Oh, that was amazing. I, I just because you know because I know both worlds. You know what I mean? So I could just yeah. imagine like. Because you know I'm super Americanized by this point too, but so like I know the American like mind of thinking, you know, and I can imagine like as an American like being in a trade and being like it just drops the shit on the floor, like it's just the hole, and it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere because in your mind you like in America you think like oh there's a tube and the pipe takes yes, it somewhere yes. there. And then it gets recycled, right? And like somebody yeah, who's exactly. like a, like nope. a Greenpeace person fucking <laughs> takes it and, and gives it to the whales oh, that dude. eat it, you know, or whatever. And in bro, Russia, it's just like... I was like, Whoa. I was, yeah, bro. I was like, what the hell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. I was like... Oh, that's so funny. That was just, that was amazing. <laughs> that's a Holy shit. So that was your big cultural shock. <laughs> that was the first, the toilet in, oh, in the it Russian was, It was amazing. Like it was, yeah, because uh, it was... Wow, it was just that was that was amazing. That was <laughs> yeah, and then like it was cool and you paid like I don't know, I think it was like I think you paid like 10 rubles to like to rent like a but you paid 10 rubles to use a reusable uh little pewter tea mug uh yeah. so that you could then, you know, get the tea bags and the hot water and yeah. the chai and everything and it was Oh, it was so cool, so interesting, and we saw so many. We met so many different military personnel. One guy's name was Dimitri, mm-hmm. and um, and he was uh, he spoke a little English, and I have a little Russian, so it just kind of works, especially if you're Samagon, you know, Samagon, whatever. You, a little bit, you know, of, so as we show yes, like this, in Russia. yeah, <laughs> or, or as or Igor, this. yeah, Igor, Igor would take uh, Igor Morozov. Uh-huh. He goes, Jason. So you like uh... <laughs> a little bit of snap? Yeah, in Russia, I don't know why it's not an American thing, but in Russia, you just snap. Yeah, your, he, uh, you snap your finger against yeah. your neck, and that means so he flipped his neck like that. This is, and I figured out real quickly. Oh shit, that's the signal. Like, hey, you want to go? You know, pound some whatever. Yeah. So he's like, I like whiskey, and I was like, oh cool. <laughs> like, guy. I like. Yeah. So everything. So when you and got so, to uh, Rudnev's place, how was? Uh... How was the training? I mean, how'd that go? Did, did that was that like <clears throat> was that particular trip? Was it like a big? Was it was it another big kind of step up in your game and in your you know yes, knowledge correct. and yeah. all that? That was like another yeah, kind it of was massive yeah, step. The, yeah, exactly. So the their training was it was just that was amazing. Like so, his his gym was really uh, close to our hotel where we were staying. Mm-hmm. And um, and so the gym was called Teton or Titan, right? And so mm-hmm. it was just cool. So we went there, and <clears throat> Sergey had his buddies, and you know that that trained, and we were trying to fit our handles in the Akmo, <laughs> Malinki Akmo, this very yeah, small window. handle window, like the window, window, the window <laughs> of the kettlebell, right? Uh-huh. So that's the window, and. And these uh, bells that we saw there, Chiburashka, right there, <coughs> more like kind of like RKC style uh, bells, but uh, very small. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, no, I apologize. The, they were sport belts, but the handle, especially Buckley, with his huge paws, right? Like we had trouble. <laughs> Can't imagine poor with, guy with the insertion. With the insertion, bro, like it was just so hard that we were just not good at it, and it was like on the back of our hands, so mm. it was really painful and awkward. So rude enough. Uh, oh, by the way, I broke. I I shattered. I shattered uh, my middle finger on the very first set of my training on the very first day. Shattered the when bones. you were there. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> seriously? I didn't yeah, know this. So we were super tired, and they had they had the local news with all these cameras around us because we were um, Californians coming and this and that, uh-huh. and we were so tired, so tired, and I bet I was out of it. And trip. Ru- yeah, Rudinov had me doing uh, a set of jerks with um, th- uh, with uh, yeah, there were thirty four kgs, right? Oh, a small set of jerks, double thirty four. <laughs> and it was like your I first day of training then- after traveling. Hold on, yeah. after ten hour flight, <laughs> and then no, hold on, first six hour flight, then a ten hour flight, then, then, uh, then, then another eleven point five. Hour and then a night train or a day and night train. Yeah, thirty-three hour the train first ride. Day, first day there would be good to do thirty-four kilos. Yeah, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, exactly. And by the way, it was also two hours, about two hours from. Um, oh, they had to from drive in the, the car too, right? Where he picked where he picked us up at the Vauxhall, the train station, in, in outside of Blago, back to his. He goes, my village, two hours by car. I'll never forget <laughs> that. That's what Rudinov said. And uh, and so it was another two hours there. He took us to a relatively tasty Chinese restaurant because literally you can see China, like you can literally see China uh, across the way. Okay, yeah, That's cool. And so um, we got to our hotel, and um, everything is. You know, it's uh, it's in uh, Cyrillic and also in Chinese. Mm, so there's a lot of Chinese workers there. And shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The border, on the border. Um, and so anyway. So your first day the with the 34s. Your um, first day with yeah, the 34s. Yeah, first day smash. <laughs> so it was like, oh, dude, first day. And it was did you like. Kinda, did you kind of do the thing where you smash it, but you kind of like keep it in? Like you don't want to let them know? Oh, or did, totally. Or did no, you? Oh, totally. oh, yeah? Oh, okay. And then, so yeah, yeah. You so went, and then you after, went hardcore. After the after the the set was over, it was a short set. Mm-hmm. Uh, set it down, and I, I I told Buckley, I was like, "Hey, bro," um, <laughs> I, I was like, "Hey, hey, bro, I think there's a problem." I was like, "Chuhu, I think I, I think there, I think there's a problem." He goes, "What do you mean there's a fuck problem? What are you talking about?" I go, "No, I think I like, I don't know. I think I kind of destroyed my finger right now." He goes, what? And so I show him, uh, and I was like, I was like, yeah, bro, it's already kind of like, I was like, look. So, you know, I I held it up, and then so the middle finger, like, it was just so fat already, and it was like really bad. And so I was trying to hide it from, I'm crying right here. I'm trying to hide it from coach, right? Because I was supposed to compete with the 32s that trip in the competition. And so Buckley's like, dude, you got to show coach, man. You got to show Rudin. Oh, man. He's your coach, bro. You got to tell him. You got to tell him. I'm like, all right, all right. Jason is hardcore. The fucking first day smashes his finger. Yeah. To keep it so, inside. No, I'm so, good. So, so this is also, but then this, what I'm about to tell you now is also super gangster, like Russian, <laughs> like mentality. So I love it, right? Let's hear so it. So this is, this is coach looking out for well-being of student, right? So yeah. love it. So I show him the finger and he goes, Jason, no, no, Jason, no, uh, Jason, um, uh, 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 competition, uh, 
No, um, uh, no, 32 kilo, uh, but okay. uh, 24 kilo, okay. And it was so great. Oh, it's man. Like, yeah, it's like, so no, no 32 like, thinks like, no, yeah. it's not going to be any, so, but 24 yeah, like, will do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 24 so is like, all right. Yeah, yeah, don't, be, yeah. don't be a so pussy he's, now. He's like, yeah, he's like, he goes, ah, no, uh, finger, uh, bad, uh, broke. So, mm-hmm. no, uh, 32 uh, kilo, no. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, 24, okay. <laughs> and so so he, he, he didn't oh, let me man. compete with the 32s. Because I had a broken finger, but 24s, okay, no problem. Well, bless his soul. You know what, though? With adrenaline and everything, bro, I actually set I set a PR. I got 71, I think, 71 reps. It was a PR for me um, with the 24s, long cycle. And wow. uh, we we use the Chebaroshka bells. Yeah. Uh, we use kind of the RKC-style bells um, Cause your hands with, the fa- with the fat handles because the window was larger so we could in- insert our hands and do a little bit better mm-hmm. but um yeah bro it was like yeah it was it was, it was really a, a cool cool thing um man. Ah, man and that was the day that we we came up with something called stage five where it's like the stages of training their stage four is like kind of like the taper stage where you're getting ready for competition so it's a little bit easier and you start is there's more kettle up from rudnev like he has stage, Ru- stage rudnev system yeah yeah w- it's like what more... are those stages could you go through them so it's been so long so <laughs> forgive me for not remembering correctly but what i can tell you is the stages basically do this so i don't remember the exact details of each stage but the stages mm-hmm. basically do this so like stage one is more GPP and less kettle. Mm-hmm. Stage four is way more kettle, less GPP, but less intensity overall because you're kind of starting to now trim down intensity to heal up and recover for competition. Stage three is the motherfucker. Stage three is the bitch mm-hmm. uh, because that was the one where it was like the most kettlebell volume and still – GPP, GPP but but there yeah but there's it was more kettlebell heavy you know mm-hmm. um so okay. that's kind of how it went how it and went. so you guys came general, up with stage five and gpp general physical preparedness is like just ba- you know what running burpees uh yeah. you know squats okay, you know squats no, exactly yeah back so extension. For, yeah because some people they hear gpp they're like what what is that general physical yeah. preparation yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah okay and um, so you guys came up with the, with uh stage five so or? stage five stage five is the phase the party phase and celebratory phase Mm -hmm. after the competition ends before you start stage one again (laughs) so most people just say okay we're we're gonna we're gonna rest now they just call it rest no stage five no we do stage five five. (laughs) boom like we just yeah it was so dope yeah hey you know what the man that reminds me is that you telling me that story that Rudniv had a had a guy that that you guys met over there, and he would not train whatsoever for like, oh Chiboba. for like months at yeah. a time, and yeah, then Chiboba. and he would get wasted right, and he was like oh. basically like a functioning alcoholic, and then he would uh, <laughs> get yes. real serious about training, and then fuck one like, week and one week yeah. and and do all right. Yes, and do all right, bro. <laughs> Tell me about so this I mean. Guy. I mean, clearly the guy, like, 
you know, uh, genetically, like probably kind of stronger than the average bear, mostly super mentally tough. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but they, yeah, but they would make this joke and like, I didn't, I still to this day have no idea what they're talking about, but, but, uh, Sergey Rudnov and this other Sergey, uh, his workout partner, I <laughs> uh, forgot his, didn't even know if we, we drank a lot of summer going together. I don't know his last name, but anyway, mm -hmm. so they both, um, would tease on this guy and he was like the best lifter of, uh, Khabarovsk, right? Khabarovsk, like a, which like is a, another city. Khabarovsk, it's yeah, northern, like a different city. city. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's not far from Blago, but, uh, um, it's but, there. uh, but, yeah. but similar region. Right. And so, <laughs> so like a more region or whatever. And so Chiboba don't know his name. No, they just call him Chiboba. And we asked, we we're like, finally, after a while, why do you keep calling him Chiboba? And, uh, Rudnov was like, this means the uh, fucking potato. <laughs> and like, but I think it was like in Polish or, or Ukraine. I don't, I don't know. It was like, it was a very interesting thing, but they, they like mess with him and call him like their little brother, okay. but he was the best lifter in all of Khabarovsk, Right. So uh -huh. like, and they were like, ha ha, Brazil system. Ha, this guy, Brazil oh, system. It's like he, a uh, tongue in cheek uh, kind of oh, thing. Like having a Brazil fun, system. he relaxed, he eating, he drinking. One week before, okay, training really hard. And the uh, results are uh, good, good result. Okay, really. And so I'm like, oh shit. Like, it was oh, amazing, dude. Like, so, so just that get, guy, uh -huh. he went to the Shashlik uh, with us also. The uh, kind of this outdoor barbecue in the snow, and he ate with us and drank with us, and that was my introduction to blini, the blini, blini you know, yeah, blini. it's like little pancakes with giant fish eggs inside. Yeah, it's like little it's crepes. It's our version yeah. of you know. <laughs> yeah. Wow, man. And so yeah. eventually, you guys made it back out of Russia, and uh, you took the uh, Siberian train there, right? The famous Trans-Siberian, seven days, right? Seven day train. Not so. No, ours was you know ours was uh, 33, 33 hours up because we only took portions oh, of it to so, get so to the you airport. Didn't, you didn't go straight from there to Moscow. You just went up. To oh that. no, no, we uh, flew okay. back to Moscow. Yeah. Uh, okay. So okay, okay. we took the train. The train uh, both times was like the first one was like yeah, like a day and a half or whatever, and then on the way back it was shorter. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was like only maybe eight hours or something because it was a newer train. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, there was, it just functioned a lot better and there was much less stopping. It was like a different route, a different mm -hmm. route. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, made it back safely, man. And, uh, wow, it was just, what an amazing, you know, just, uh, that was the quest of my lifetime. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It sounds like it was can't, fucking great. Story, can't, can't, sur can't surpass that. It yeah. was just, a quest and for, as far as your kettle quest, it was like sort of, so it sort of began with, you know, Pavel stuff, then it kind of went to Steve Cotter, then maybe some Valeri involved in there, right? Then more Steve mm, stuff. And uh, yes, then yeah. you guys got to, to St. Petersburg, did the big um, seminar over there with all the guys. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> then you met uh, Rudnev. And so it seems like then the next step after that, and I think sort of the time that you and I met was around the time when you guys invited Dennis Vasiliev to come over here and do a workshop. Is that is Yeah, that and that's when I met you. Yeah. And I believe that was two thousand fourteen, yeah. That's okay. when I met you. So yeah. so between that and and 
be, uh, until you guys met De Dennis, you guys just kind of worked on your own and lifted and kept improving and doing your thing and, and teaching workshop stuff. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> For pretty much, yeah, and um, yeah, it was great. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember that <clears throat> workshop. That was cool, man. Um, that workshop was awesome, and uh, Dennis was amazing. Still is amazing. I still uh, call him my coach, even though it's just, I haven't been super active on the competition, uh, scene, you know, mm -hmm. um, recently, even before COVID just been kind of busy trying to, you know, do my own thing and push forward with regular business and uh, so on and so forth. And, mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah, Dennis was, uh, he's a great coach, compassionate yeah. and, and fun, really good English. He's his, his English is so, so good now. And he was the one guy that really made an effort to improve the, the English, so now I have to step up my Russian yeah, <laughs> as, as respect. But that weekend I met you, and um, yeah, well, whatever. I remember it was like a two. Uh, I think it was a two day course, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and like you said, and Dennis was just, you know, he seemed like, and he he you know it was just this like shredded motherfucker, and he mm -hmm. was like doing all the lifts, and he was 2013. Sorry, 2013. That's was. Is that the year? 13. That's when I met you, and that's when yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you guys were so good at explaining everything, and I just thought I was like, this is like for me. That was my so I was like, whoa, I found the guys that I want to learn from. Yeah, yeah, I remember so you. It was, was a, so cool, man. It was a great um, little seminar, and um, and then you know I think you and I lifted for probably a year after that because uh, you know I lived here, you lived here. Mm -hmm. And um, and then kind of came my, like f what I remember is my kind of like cattle quest or whatever you know just a great time is that next year I think was it next year that you guys organized that big the big one when you were the translator for Sergey yeah Mishin? yeah the yeah big, that was 2014 yeah and so Orange Kettlebell Club invited over Sergey Mission Ser Sergey uh, Rudnev no not yeah. Rudnev sorry uh, Merkulin uh, Rachinsky. Um, who else? Dennis, of course. Denisov was there. Denisov, Denisov. Yeah. yeah. And so it was like sort of, and I remember showing up, and there was people from all over the world, and then all over the U.S. Oh, Gant came. Gantarov. Gantarov came. Gantarov came. Yeah. 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 And it was sort of like the I don't know the the superstars of Kettle World came and yeah, man, that was a, and that that lasted a week, I think. Right? Is how long we kind of that got was going, a week right? long one. Yeah, it was a monster. Yeah, and that was yeah. probably, I think, to this day, I don't think that kettlebell seminar or kettlebell event has been beaten. You know, I mean, that was just... Oh, uh, no that way. Was, you can't, the coolest you can't thing. That. that was crazy. Everybody was learned amazing. so much. And, and, <clears> and, and, you know, even between the lifters, because I remember chatting with a lot of them, you know, and some of them have known each other, meeting, meeting each other, like, at events or, like, competitions and shit. But they didn't really train around each other, you know. And I remember, like, Denisov talking to Gancharov, and I remember, you know, and it, everybody was just sharing stuff. And um, yeah, it was just one of the one of the coolest seminars I've ever been, as far as you know, like cattle or even even just fitness, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. So it was a real good time. Dude, um, it was it was, it was uh, just such <laughs> such an such an amazing thing. Like Buckley and I were so happy about that event, and uh, you know uh, Vasiliev too, Denise Vasiliev, and we were just so geeked up about it. We worked our butts off, dude, and like it was just. Ah, it was so, so awesome. Yeah, it was an awesome event and people from all over the world. I mean, I remember Paul, um, what's Paul's last name from New Zealand? Mm. Yeah, uh, Paul, um, what's wrong with me? PJ, Paul, Paul, Paul. PJ something. Yeah, Paul, yeah, Paul, um, 
the hell's wrong with me? Sorry, Paul, if you're if you're watching. <laughs> I know. Paul, forgive me. We, we chat sometimes with him. him. I nicknamed him Quadzilla, dude, because that that time he uh, he he competed at a meet in Ice Chamber. He uh-huh. got uh, master two master of sports up there, and then he came down and got two master of sports in uh, our meet, and so it was four masters of sports in like basically eight days or something. And I was like, mm. I, I nicknamed him Quadzilla just because of that. And it was yeah. funny. Um, he was uh, a bad motherfucker. Dude. Oh man. No, Paul's it'll come to ass. us. It'll come to us. <laughs> it'll, it'll come. Dude. Oh, I can't believe yeah. both of us are like, and I think he kind of yeah. stole the show at that one. Right. As far as all the lifters. Yeah, there, bro. Was really he was fun. badass. Yeah. He was badass. He was a bad motherfucker. Yeah, man. Badass. So, uh, yeah. to this day, it's, but, uh, uh JT Netterville hung fucking 54 reps with the 32s in long cycle. Yeah. And uh, Paul Paul uh, Paul put up fifty two, but I mean different weight classes, but still like Paul White, Paul White, Paul White, yeah, duh. Paul White, Paul uh, White. Yeah, so, that was easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Paul White. So he, um, yeah, man, but he he smashed it, and um, you know, uh, Jonathan, um, Jonathan, Jonathan, uh, God, what's wrong with me? Smashing myself over here. I know, I've been up for so many hours. It's all good. Jonathan Howard. Jonathan Howard. Jonathan Howard. I think, okay. I think, yeah, I think he got like, he was close behind. He got like 47 or 48 reps. It's very good. Good day for those guys. Really, really good. Um, yeah. And, and, and uh, just oh, the, oh, yeah. Bill Ash. Bill Ash. Oh, Bill Ash. Like, yeah, he put up like 80 reps or something. Like, yeah, he, he sort crazy. of rachinskated out, right? He kind of yeah. collapsed on the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had yeah, like yeah. shaking yeah. leg syndrome. And... Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and just the overall enthusiasm. I mean, like yeah, I said, I think yeah. to this day, you know, if if there was like a Hall of Fame of kettlebell events, I mean, that would be at the top of the list. That would be it. Thank you, know? you brother. Thank you. So yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it was. It, it meant was, a lot. It was. It was great. definitely one of the best. And um, well, and so since then, you've been lifting obviously on your own, and you've been mm-hmm. doing stuff. I mean, uh, you know, and I mean, I think if anybody's just getting into kettlebells, I mean, for sure. I can say like one thing is like, you know, to take away from, you know, from you guys and from you, it's just like go out there and look around and, you know, get after yes. it because that's one yeah. thing you guys get do. Get after it. Get your feet dirty, man. <clears throat> yeah. You know? Is there anything, yeah. any other advice you would think? I mean, what would you advise somebody who's just getting into kettlebell lifting or just wanting mm. to mess around with the kettlebell? What do you think is important? Yeah. So um, listening to your, listening to your body, um, the positions where we hold the kettlebells, uh, called the rack position um, before moving into uh, another posture, whether it's uh, you know a jerk or a press or whatever, um, you want to make sure that you find the most appropriate position for you, you know, on your own body. Don't just look at a champion and say like, ah, I need to hold it like that, or mm. my technique should look like that because yeah. he does it this way and which that we've, was all, like, we've all made that mistake right because it's so of course, easy yeah. to just look at somebody yeah, it, and be like very easy that's the it's right very way easy or you like, have oh, a coach that... tell you like this is the right way and right right coach you know i mean a good coach though maybe that's another advice maybe i'm sort of taking words out of your mouth but i know you're big on yeah. coaching it's just and like, that's fine and that's get, fine get, but a, that's... get a good coach you know mm-hmm. find a coach yeah. or correct because a great coach will tell you like hey let's find what works for you right yes yes exactly and then um and then also too um, find, uh, manageable chunks, uh, manageable challenges, like give yourself, um, things that you can achieve. Like, even if you don't want to train and you're like, Oh, this is really hard. 
you go train and like, okay, I'm going to just make sure that I do uh, just fine. I'm just going to do two minutes with the bells just to get warm and see how it feels. Mm-hmm. And usually that'll, <laughs> once you get going, you're like, ah, oh, you know what? I can do maybe another minute. And you know what? Maybe, wow, I, I'm kind of getting some momentum here. I, I feel some confidence here in my training. And then who knows? And then you kind of end up in that scenario way back in 2007 with me standing in front of a tree looking at a clock with Steve Cotter telling me just one more minute bro how about one more minute oh maybe you can do 10 right so Mm -hmm. listening uh, to your body with the postures learning correct techniques Mm -hmm. for how your hand is supposed to get inside the kettlebell so you don't hurt your arms Um, learning uh, the, the appropriate technique for sure how to swing correctly first, very important to learn how to protect your back when performing these movements. Just getting the basics down and too. Getting the basics down and experimenting mm-hmm. with uh, what belt uh, works well for you. If you even need a belt, maybe you can reach your hip bones uh, while keeping your legs straight. Uh, getting a coach and uh, finding a, a training partner is also uh, very important if you're able to. It's kind of tough sometimes to motivate yourself mm-hmm. to lift uh, – uh, to train hard in a strength endurance sport like kettlebell sport yeah. uh, where you have to yeah, go for 10 minutes um, and even in training if it's only a four-minute set or two four-minute sets it can be really daunting so like mm-hmm. when you would be in my cave garage and we train together it's it's cool we push each other and then you you're more likely to do well when you have someone to also kick back some love and, and and support in the same way because they're going uh, through that uh, challenge as well. But I tell you one thing about uh, working with the kettlebells: give it a shot, man. You know, get your hands dirty, get your feet dirty, because it's one of the very few training styles I can think of that will check you. It will give you a gut check, and it will challenge you mm-hmm. uh, to the breaking point mentally. And when you achieve these little things and you're able to go a little further further from the last time or do even one extra rep, man, what it does to your psyche and your self-confidence is crazy. It's very empowering. And that is what I love most about lifting kettles is just the fact that it can empower you and those around you, bro. And it's just an amazing energy. It's hard to explain unless you taste it and feel it. Go through that suffering to get through to the joy that is uh, completing something you didn't think you were able to do before. That was beautiful, dude. (laughs) It's a beautiful way to – I think you summed it up, and I think that's an awesome way to end it. And um, (laughs) thanks for your time. And how how can people reach out to you and uh, where can they find you? What are are your links and stuff? Absolutely. So you can uh, reach out uh, on Instagram. I'm – at Dolby Style, so my last name, D-O-L-B-Y, Style, mm-hmm. one word. Uh, you can hit me up on uh, YouTube. You can find me there under Jason Dolby. Also, uh, Facebook is under Jason Dolby as well. And then uh, if you would like to email, it'll be Jason at dolbystylefitness.com beautiful and i'll link all those so don't worry about the spelling beautiful. and all that and uh and okc uh is the gym happening up there are they open right now Boom. are they uh we're, st- we're we're still um we're still working it uh so uh right now it's 
it's kind of gotten real challenging again for California. So right now, um, I don't believe they have anything going on, but, uh, you know, still, still keeping rent going still, um, you know, kind of students are, you know, training kind of at home or outside. Uh, but yeah, the gym is still there. And then when things kind of settle down, mm-hmm. you know, vaccines come this and that, whatever, um, the holidays, uh, dissipate and then hopefully numbers will get back uh, to the point where gyms can kind of really open up again. But yes, we're still, the gym is still there. We're still, we're still strong, but just kind of wading through this, uh, very interesting time, this yeah. pandemic, just like everyone else, but we're still there, brother. Beautiful. Oakland, California, baby. OKC. <clears throat> Boom. Beautiful. And, and I'll uh, that John, out, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, John Wild Buckley, um, you can, uh, reach out to him, uh, through, you know, I believe it's, uh, I believe it is uh, John Wild at gmail.com. Yeah. I believe we'll get him on you know, there. But, but I'll get Orange Kettle Buckle. Throw the links on there com. too. It'll all be on but, there, brother. Yeah, that's the founder. Thank you right so there. much for your time. That's the founder, and you're the head coach. And uh, <laughs> it was awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time, and we'll definitely do it again whenever you're free to come on. We'll make it happen. So, uh, till next time, brother. A grande spasiba. Things you own end up owning you.